Talk Live. Welcome to the program here. You can join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us online anytime you want. And head over to freetalklive.com. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. The nobody formerly known as Rich Paul. And Chris. All right. Uh, phones are open. If you want to bring up whatever's on your mind, I actually have a story here about a prohibitionist. It's hard to find these people these days, but they are still out there. And there's an article that uh, somebody who believes in prohibition, uh, various different things, uh, marijuana prohibition, uh, gambling prohibition, and the, uh, the headline here from The Atlantic, of all places, is America has gone too far. In legalizing vice. (laughs) So I want to get into that. But first, a word from the President of the United States, Joe Biden. My fellow Americans, it has been brought to my attention that the people of New Hampshire have voted to leave the union. I wish them the best. Thank you, Joe. Thank it you has for been that brought- so much. I appreciate you and <laughs> uh, your kind words, wishing us well. Uh, and, and no, that wasn't the real Joe Biden. That was a generated voice of Joe Biden by a pretty cool website I found today called Voice.ai. Now, there's a bunch of these sites out there. But we've talked about deep fakes on the show over the years. Mm-hmm. They're getting easier to do. Mind you, this was just audio. That's the easiest part of this. Uh, making a, a, a you know actual Joe Biden with the mouth that goes with the the actual words is a little bit trickier, but they, they have that now, and that is doable. I uh, just don't know what the tools are. I don't know if those tools are easily accessible, but making someone say anything you want them to say is trivially easy at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, this website, so there's a bunch of websites that do this. There's another one called... I'm sorry, but the, the name is escaping me, but a lot of people have been using it. Uh, anyway, I'll, just, I'll, I'll pull it up later. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's five bucks a month for this other site. This particular site, voice.ai, lets you do it for free to some limited extent. Like there's a certain number of credits that you get per day or whatever. And, you know, you can have it say up to 15 seconds. So there's some limitations on the system. But one of the neat things about this website is you can use other people's trainings So I didn't have to find the source material of Biden to feed into this to make the Mm. fake Biden. Somebody else else already did that work. I just scrolled down a list and Mm -hmm. said, oh, yeah, I'd like to have Biden say this thing. And then it just, you know, did a little bit of spinning and train or whatever it needed to do. I uh, I didn't type in the words for this, though a lot of these are sort of text to speech. A lot of the sites that are out there doing this. In this case, I spoke the words. And then it converted my audio, so whatever kind of cadence that I would give it, uh, it would you mm. know make it sound like Joe Biden. So if you're good at sort of talking as did, Joe Biden talks, then did, you could did really you, be like, spot on. Is it? Do you have any idea like how how it's working? Is it is it taking your audio, your voice, and translating it to text, and then converting it to? Uh, yeah, I don't know either. I'm just no kind of curious if it, if it was obvious how it was doing it. Don't know, but it works. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was the first try. I did not do more than one try. I just did one take. I wrote down what I was going to say. I did one take, uploaded that file, and you can actually do it live. You can just record it live onto the site, or you can record a a file and then upload it to it Uh, either way. And there's apparently also like a live version of it as well. So like for gamers, 
that want to be this the person like a different character while they're playing their video game and they're talking you to know, the other players they can be all, joe biden <laughs> all, all i'm thinking mm. is the social engineering attacks that oh, people yeah. will end up uh-huh. uh doing and being so much more successful with like people right be a now great way to do ferris bueller's day off <laughs> <laughs> like right now you know uh there's so many scammers out there doing that kind of thing and it's like but but without without the voice component mm-hmm. you yeah. know if it can be done live where you're just talking into the device and right. it'll sound you know like somebody else that's a great point yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. scary it's you know it, from that perspective it is definitely scary because a lot of people as you're pointing out they fall for these attacks as oh, yeah. is i mean they fall for um so many different uh what do you call them various different scams right where somebody will say Oh, I'm so and so from the Social Security Administration, and uh, you have to go and buy ten thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, or else we're going to prosecute you, or whatever. And people buy that stuff, mm-hmm. and that's just some mm-hmm. guy from India calling, and you know, saying he's from the Social Security Administration. What happens when it sounds like you know the town's police chief, or it sounds like? You know, Joe Biden or whoever it is. I mean, it is trivial to do this. All you need is, according to this one site, 15 minutes of content. That's a lot. I thought it was down to even like less than that, like way less than that. Yeah. Microsoft now claims that they can do it with three seconds of audio. Now, that's not released. You can't, (laughs) you know, you can't test that one, but that's what they claim. Other sites say one minute is sufficient. So obviously, the more you can feed these uh, AIs, the or generative technologies, or whatever you want to call them, the the better off they're going to be. Yeah, that's probably one of the reasons that they uh, make their AI available is it's an easy way to crowd crowdsource mm-hmm. the trainings, all the trainings for you know the people that right. people actually want to do voices of. Yeah, and so that's why I really like this site, because you can access the other trainings that the other users of the site have taken the time to do. So you don't have, you don't have to spend the time even training this AI. You can just pick the character you want. There's a Trump on there. I just, you know, I, I'm not paying for the account. I just wanted to see what it was like and how good it was. And uh, you only get like one per, like one training per 5,000 credits. They give you 5,000 credits just for signing up for the site, but it was like 4,600 credits just to just to do Joe Biden. So <laughs> it's going to be a couple of days before I can try Trump. Uh, but man, I mean, it's just impressive stuff. So, uh, you know, here we're here. I mean, this is happening now, and it's just, it's hard to imagine where this is going to go in the next five, let alone two years uh, from now, because it's, it's advancing. It's such a, you know, such a clip. Well, I'm hoping it will become easy and widespread quickly mm-hmm. um, because once people know about these capabilities, it's going to be easier for, you know, some of them are morons and are, will fall for anything. But, um, you know, as people know what the capabilities are, it will be easier for them to avoid getting fooled. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if it's Ian, Chris, and nobody here talking to you guys mm-hmm. or if it's uh, just some AI <laughs> Well, that is another good point, Chris. I don't know if you were aware of this, but there is now a podcast that is completely AI generated. It is being trained by humans, right? So what what happens is the humans behind the podcast select who the speaking people, the parties of the podcast will be. So there's an interviewer and there's an interviewee. So far, it's only been two people per per show. Now, are these both AIs? Yes. 
both the interviewer and the interviewee are AI talking to itself for, (laughs) in what most cases has been about 20 minutes. The most recent episode was only about seven or eight minutes. Uh, There's only been four episodes in roughly four months. So they're doing probably about one episode per month. They were supposed to do one per week. It's not coming out as fast as they'd promised. But so far, up, up until this week, it has been... Two of the episodes have been one guy who's alive interviewing a dead guy. And then a recent hmm. episode was two dead guys talking to one another. <laughs> it was Terrence McKenna talking to Alan Watts. I think you'd probably enjoy that Ooh. one. Uh, nobody. Today, it was actually two people who are still alive that were talking to one another. It was Zach Galifianakis and Quentin Tarantino in a bit of a uh, uh, conflict conflicting i guess uh episode where they didn't really get along with one another most of the interviews have been pretty friendly uh so far but on this one there was some conflict and uh the the first one they did was joe rogan interviewing steve jobs who of course passed away years ago uh and then lex fridman interviewing richard feynman and they've been pretty interesting so far you can tell it's a little awkward it's a little stilted uh at times but what it's listenable What's the content of the conversation, right? Like, because it's more than just a voice. Yeah, well, I mean, they they're, they're talking, right? So the they like, what are they talking about? Like, and where does that information get pulled from? Like, it's got to it's the history of these characters, right? Okay. So they train the AI with audio and presumably text, maybe, of these people, these individuals that it is pretending to be, and so it just. It answers questions. It quest- asks questions that it thinks that the person would ask, and it answers the questions in the okay. way that it thinks that the person who's dead, in many cases, would answer them. <laughs> and it's absolutely fascinating. Hmm. Uh, and like I said, a little awkward, but it's mm-hmm. pretty good considering you know the technology and, and where things are at today. It's, it's a listenable interview. At times, you might find yourself scratching your head like, wait, what was that? And just kind of you know, have to go back and listen to it again. Uh, but it's clear. It's easy to understand. They're they're not garbled, and they they relatively sound like what you would expect them to sound like. So pretty impressive. If you want to check it out for yourself, you can go to podcast.ai. But yeah, that's definitely the next level of this, Chris, where it's not just humans feeding the exact thing you want this thing to say. It's the AI just simply deciding. And of course, it makes you wonder, are any of our callers... AI callers like is Sarah in New Mexico actually a real human being or is she just a really convincing artificial intelligence? All right, let me get this straight. She's a so, Russian bot. So what you're saying is you had this technology long before the rest of us even knew about it. No, no, definitely not saying. <laughs> definitely not saying that. And what about Ricky from the Commonwealth? He's on the line in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Ricky. Are you AI? I am not, and I don't know about Sarah, though. That's a name from the past, isn't it? I can think of many of them, but that's maybe for another day. You know, How can you prove you're not AI? Huh? Uh, yeah, but an AI might not be telling the truth, so how can you prove you're an actual human being? Uh, you see my picture, Brother Ian. I don't see your picture. How would I see that? How would well, that no, prove you're, it, a, you're not it, AI? It is me, Brother Ian. Now, come on. I, I can generate pictures, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anybody. There's a website out there that just makes pictures out of nothing. Well, regardless of that, I do have some bit of a news, though. All right, what do you I've got? I've come to this conclusion, you know? Starting in March sometime, it's time to start wearing the Southern Cross again. And what is the Southern Cross? The battle flag of North Virginia. 
Okay. You know, you're going to actually, as you've done in the past, you're going to wrap yourself literally in the flag. You're going to wear it, what, like as a cape? I wear it around, well, it covers my whole back and around my sides, you know. And I've come to this conclusion, you know, I'm going to get into my full reasons why, but the reasons why I did last time was, of course, a statement and a reminder to all those of the past, especially the federal government, what can happen. But more importantly, what I wanted to do is uh, have it there to create a discussion, which was 95% of the time was fruitful, you know. Now, the sad part of it is that my end result, and I remember talking to Mark about this, given the results, and I'll give them. You know, when the discussion happened, you know, uh, some people were completely ignorant. You know, this just was nothing. But then, you know, most people at least knew there was a war between the North and the South. What is you the know? conversation you're looking to start? Uh, well, it comes down to, I, mean, well, I don't want to really get into it too much tonight. I will in the future, but what it comes down to, judging by recent events, and my previous phone call, considering what's going on in Florida, and that's continuing on. It's quiet right now, but it won't be for long. You know, it's going to come down to three things, states' rights, civil rights, and uh, the truth, basically, you know, if it comes up. You know, I mean, the sad thing when I previously was doing that, and it was a really good success. It really was. But the sad thing is, like, one thing nobody realized, and it was sad, that nobody realized that the South was another country called the CSA. That was like like nobody seemed to like everyday people didn't realize. You're saying as you were wearing this uh, Southern flag in yes. Pennsylvania, where you're located, you're saying people did not right. understand what the South was trying to do. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, what did uh, they it, what it did they say bad. to you? Uh, it varied. I mean, it went anywhere from discussions. I mean, some people, I would meet people that were just racist, and that was wrong. I would correct them on that. But when you, know, you say have, When you say you would meet people that were racist, are you saying that some people you had encountered believed that because you were wearing that flag that meant you were a racist and so you were one of them? Right, right, and I, I endorsed it. I see. You know, but I mean, what it comes down to is one thing. Uh, you know, you've said it in the past. You know, when you do these things, and I didn't run into too much trouble, really, but this time's going to be different. And I'll get into that in the future. There's no time for that now. Why it's different. But this is going to be a little more dangerous this time okay. than it was Ooh. in the past. You know, because when... You're going to open carry or something? Like, what's, what's, why, can't you, why can't you talk about that now? Why is that a secret? What's that? You're saying you can't t- discuss it now. Why not? Well, no, it's not a secret. It's just, it just there's no time. I'm not going to have time to do that. I got time know? for you, man. Why, why don't you just tell us? Lay it All out right, there. All right, well, fine. I'll do it. Lay it out there. I'll what is it? it? Okay, fine. What it comes down to, my reasoning, is uh, I'm really horrified. Uh, I'm appalled and angered. Uh, it stems from the events down in, down with Governor Santos in Florida and all that madness, but it's evolved. You know, it went from to my worst fears. Uh, it's what I look at the reasons why what they call black oppression actually happens. I've been around too long already, it seems, that I've seen this happen more once. It's like a magic trick. You get uh, a bunch of leaders and spokespeople. I have no you idea know, what you're talking about. Well, I'm getting to that, Ian. What, <laughs> okay. it, comes down to is, it, what it comes down to is uh, 
you know, now with the AP stuff, that's that's beyond that. The now. what? Now there's more. They want well, people want more than that now. The what stuff? The AT? AP. What does AT stand AP? for? AP placement. Oh, the, the AP African American history classes. Right now, what they're saying is. Not only do we want more than that, but the scariest thought is let's circumvent states' rights, I'm hearing, and let's go embrace the federal government. If you're in a place where this is happening, circumvent the states' rights and and embrace the federal government. And you know what's going to happen? The feds will be all fine with it. Yes, here you go. Who's doing this? I mean, this seems like this doesn't seem like new news. I mean, there there's been a move towards embracing the federal government for as long as I've been alive. I mean, the feds. I know it's an old trick, and it happens over and over and over again. And that's why you have what they call black oppression. All right, and so you want to go out there and fly a or wrap yourself in a Confederate flag in order to bring attention to states and uh, states' rights and independence? Right, and, and okay. also speak uh, the gospel truth as best as I can. Now, I will say one thing, Brother Ian. Anybody from this point onward that hears me speak, and I know you've said this in the past, when you do things of this nature, one, you should be informed, but also you do them at your own risk. Definitely. You know, I mean, that's definitely a flag that is I, going to, and thank you for the call tonight, that's going to definitely set some people off. I'm still uh, curious as to what was so dangerous that he was supposedly going to do. Yeah, I, I didn't get. Yeah, I guess he didn't really answer that question no, as didn't. far as what would have been more dangerous than just simply wearing a southern flag around where people presumably don't really know what it actually means. Because a lot of people do jump to the conclusion that it's all about racism, and of course, it's well, not. Sure. It's not necessarily about that. There may be some people who fly that flag that are indeed racist, but. You know, it's just a symbol, and a lot of people see it as a symbol of independence. That is a symbol of, as he pointed out, you know, the idea of states' rights, which, of course, we as libertarians understand there's no such thing as collective rights. There's just the individual that has rights. But at least as far as the idea of states' rights being that the states should have their own autonomy as far as not being controlled by the federal government. They should be able to engage in some level of self control and and self-rule and the only point that that's ever going to happen for the states is when they say goodbye to uh, to the federal government when they finally declare independence and i don't know if it's going to be texas that does it first or new hampshire or california or who it's going to be but this union is going to come to some sort of an end at some point, and it may it may just be that it just it can't crashes. be too soon. I know, it, <laughs> and it may just be that it crashes in upon itself before anybody is able to escape. But I hope that we'll see an actual state secede from the United States before the crash. Yeah, hmm. it's uh, we threw off the tyranny of the British Empire, and hopefully we'll sure. be able to throw off the tyranny of the American Empire next. That is mm-hmm. definitely the plan. And if anybody wants to weigh in, you're welcome to join the show. Here, the number 603-283-6160. So we sort of opened up with a brief discussion about some of the AI technology out there that allows you to basically generate any kind of audio that, that you want. Whatever you want someone to say who has enough audio that you can just download it and upload it to one of these websites that, that allows this generation uh, to happen relatively cheaply or for free in some cases – it is here. That technology is is possible. Uh, anyone with any relative 
publicity on their side, whether it be a Hollywood movie star or pretty much any politician. There's more than enough. Radio host. Radio host would be a a cinch Mm -hmm. uh, to do that. And so we're to the point where you cannot believe what you hear anymore. I mean, you could you could have argued that somebody in the past could have taken someone who said a lot of things and then cut the words out that they said and then rearranged those words into sentences that they never actually said. And we've heard those things done over the years, but it's not as persuasive. It's not as natural sounding as some of this AI is getting. Yeah, this is definitely an improvement. It's a new level. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and so I, I think it's pretty, it's exciting because it allows for a lot of like comic potential. What brought this to my attention was the, you know, like the internet geeks have been taking Joe Biden and Donald Trump <laughs> and and having them speak to one another as though they're playing video games together. Because that's what, you know, a lot of people do on the internet, right, is they play games uh, together. And so these gamer Gamer guys are putting together clips. Uh, like, there's no video. It's just pictures of Biden and Trump wearing headphones, like fake, you know, superimposed on headphones, and then acting as though they're playing like some of the most popular games together and just just s talking one another the there entire are, time. There hmm. are so many places I think this, you know, could be utilized. Um, so I'm just thinking, like, you know, like for fun, you mean voicemail, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, I've seen Bidens that looked like they were computer generated giving mm-hmm. speeches and and official yeah. speeches. Uh, there was this one speech he gave. He looked like Beavis. <laughs> he he did. It was like his whole face was like skinnier than it was supposed to be, and That's it weird. was all angular. Um, and a lot of people were like, what the hell is going on here? But it was purportedly real? Is what you're um, well, I mean, they claim it was real. Mm-hmm. It's probably just a camera, um, something with the cameras uh, being off. Could be. Well, it could be. But then again, the CIA probably has these things that are a decade ahead of private industry. So yeah, if they've got a, a, a president who's hopelessly senile, which they just happen to have, it's a good time to be able to make him say what you want to say, want him to say. Yeah, we're definitely in this place right now. It's going to make for an interesting 2024 election uh, as well. <laughs> the number here is 603-283-6160. You can join the show. You can bring up whatever you want. Coming up, we get uh, an opinion from a prohibitionist, someone who thinks that the uh, the rolling back of various prohibitions has gone too far. Screw them. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Show here, you can bring up anything you want. Number is 
603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. Nobody. And Chris. And you're invited to join us online anytime you want. Just head over to our social media platform. It is a Mastodon system. It's open source. It's federated. That means it's connected with other Mastodons all around the planet. So you can follow people that aren't even on our server if you want to. And that's most of the Mastodon universe. We've got a relatively (laughs) small server. But uh, you do have to apply to get access because we want to keep the bots and the spammers out. So when you apply over at social.freetalklive.com, just mention something about Free Talk Live and you're good to go. So uh, once again, that's social.freetalklive.com. We're going to get into uh, prohibitionist here. It's very rare. Like These days, we've been talking about ending prohibition from the very beginning uh, here on Free Talk Live. We've always had that, that position on this program. And in the earlier days of doing this show, it was relatively common to have people call in and take the prohibitionist side of things, take the, the pro-war-on-drug side. And I'm not saying those people don't exist anymore, but they seem to have taken to hiding in the shadows uh, more so than they used to, say, 10 or 15 I mean, years ago. Is it possible that they have just have died off, most of them? Some no. of them probably have. I mean, certainly some of them have. But, I mean, there's, they're out there. I mean, look, for instance, look at the New Hampshire State House. I mean, it's full of septuagenarians and octogenarians, people who are your your grandparents' age, and these people are still stuck in the mud on I, this particular issue. I think to some degree that's true, but I don't think it is to the degree it was of yesteryear. I hope you're mm. right about that. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see some demographic studies that show, you know, what did people in their 70s and 80s think about prohibition this year versus 20 years ago. Maybe there has been a shift. I, I mean, it seems like there's been a shift. Um, there should have been. I, I'm not saying that they're libertarian. They're all libertarians. But no, but it, the hippies. I mean, the hippies yeah, are basically... Sure. My parents were born in like 1950, uh, 1951. And so right now they're in their early 70s. But when it was 1969, they were teenagers, right? So like mm-hmm. in the in the height of that time of wild, you know, LSD use and crazy long hair and open sex and all that stuff like they were teenagers right so you would think that those people would have come around on the idea of prohibition but a lot of those people changed their tune after that you know they didn't stay they became yuppies yeah they didn't stay hippies the whole time and so then once they got a taste of power they decided they were going to use it for the good of their own children and that's in fact what this article gets into here from uh, MSN and the Atlantic. For the good of their own children, what? By leaving them $31 trillion in debt? Yes, and throwing them <laughs> in prison as well. Wow. Uh, because that's what the solution is, right? Is is to prohibit things, which ultimately means having the police crack down and put people behind bars for doing something you think would be bad for them to do. So don't do the bad thing or a bad thing's going to happen to you. We know that doesn't work. I mean, at least we on this show know that's that's not, you know, productive way to dissuade people from doing things that you don't want them uh, or to rather from not doing the things that you don't want them to do. But this is from The Atlantic, written by a Matthew Loftus. Does it say what he's now, there's not any, there's nothing here about who this guy is or like, you know, what his 
references are or anything like that. He's just writing for The Atlantic in an article called America Has Gone Too Far in Legalizing Vice. And, and the, that whole, the, just the title on its own is laughable because America hasn't done jack diddly to legalize vice at this point, for the most part. I mean, there's been some states that have legalized cannabis. There's been some states that have medicinalized cannabis. But we haven't really seen much more than that, with the exception of maybe uh, Denver. Oregon? Yeah, Oregon did a, uh, and to their credit, they have, they've repealed prohibition on small amounts certainly, of possession of drugs. It's certainly true that they haven't gotten far enough, um, but um, I, I mean, it's, I think there's still, is, there's a huge difference between the 90s, you know, the late 90s and now. Um, you know, there's so many more states that have. Yeah, but it's it's mostly just marijuana. Reduced. It's true, but it's in it's going in that direction. It I is think. going in that direction. That's why this person is trying to put their feet down right now and say, "That's it. We've gone too far." Yep. Even though you know, not even all of the U.S. states, uh, as he'll point out here, have come, you know signed on with even marijuana decriminalization. Well, I'll I'll start out by just commenting on that little bit of it because there is absolutely no constitutional authority for the federal government to be micromanaging the contents of your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. Doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution they're doing that. So if we just devolve that to the states, that would be a huge start. Yeah, it would. Now, and of course, I don't want them doing, doing it anyway, but if it's devolved to the states, then there's a chance that some of those states just won't bother to do it. You know, because then they have to pay for the whole mess themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you were to actually, uh, if if and when uh, New Hampshire secedes from the United States, it would essentially end the war on drugs here because New Hampshire relies on the federal drug schedule. So mm-hmm. whatever they put on the federal drug schedule is New Hampshire says, OK, well, we agree that's illegal. But if that goes away, then New Hampshire would have to add its own things to its own drug schedule, which, you know, maybe it would do. But mm. it would the starting point would be there would be nothing on it. I think it would be really hard starting from scratch yeah. to get people to pass this kind of yeah, nonsense. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I have- you know, unlike the people who passed it in the first place, we've seen the outcome now twice. First, we had prohibition of alcohol, uh, prohibition of alcohol and prohibition of alcohol caused the worst crime spree, the worst crime wave in American history. Nothing but murder and mayhem left and right. And then along came the war on drugs and mm-hmm. said, hold my beer, Prohibition. <laughs> Let me show you how it's yeah. done. <laughs> you were going to say something? No. Right. Yeah, I don't know how uh, we would end up seeing New Hampshire exit the Union. I mean, if that happens, I can't imagine that there would be somehow like enough people wanting to you know, criminalized, you know, drugs. It just, that just seems, that, would, that just seems like it would be crazy to me. I think we'd get a lot of refugees too, mm-hmm. who yeah. just wanted to be in, out from under the federal government. Uh, Texas is making noise again. I'm, I'm seeing some Texas nationalists on, uh, on uh, Twitter and such. Have you seen their uh, videos, the little minute-long clips that they're coming out with? Oh, I haven't seen those. They're really good. I highly recommend, if you're interested in independence, follow the Texas Nationalist Movement. They've got a Twitter account, probably some other accounts on other sites. But they're coming out with these little 40- to 60-second clips where uh, Daniel Miller, who's the 
sort of the president of that that group. He just kind of riffs. I, I actually spoke with him this weekend. Uh, we had our regular New Hampshire exit meeting on Sunday, and I was the only one who showed up. And I posted like, "Hey, I'm all <laughs> alone in here." And and Daniel was he follows what we do, and he's in our chat room. And he says, oh, "I didn't want you to be alone." So he he clicked in, and we had like a half an hour long conversation. Uh, with each other about you know how things are going down there and he told me like how they're producing these clips i figured they were scripted but he's actually just going off winging like, it? yeah he's winging it really yeah he's that good <laughs> wow. like he is a really good communicator he, i mean he's been doing this for 30 years right so like he knows what he's doing but what happens is i guess what happened was they got a new uh couple guys who's their communications team and they came up with the idea of doing these little short videos and they just wrote a bunch of questions down so that's all the preparation that was done here Mm. they just put him up in front of a green screen and they throw a question at him and then he just riffs on it and Mm. then they do all the graphics later on right and then they put it out it's 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 really good stuff persuasive he addresses basically the biggest questions about what about the border? You know, what's uh, are we going to be able to travel? You know, all the all the questions that people come up with when it comes to you know, are they going to military? Are they going to invade us? You know, all that stuff. He does a great job, and and we we discuss doing like outreach because again he's got decades of experience at doing this. It's like why, you know, we we don't want to reinvent the wheel if it's already been tried out in various different ways. And he said uh, they did all right with radio. Print was not so great uh, for them, and what was like the surprising best was air banners, like flying sky. behind sky, sky banners. Wow, yeah, sky banners, and it wow. makes a lot of sense, you know, because there's not a lot of clutter up there. Normally, advertising hmm. is like a cluttered thing where the, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You always you're getting hit by ads all over the internet. You're getting hit by ads if you're listening to uh, the radio or television or whatever, and this, those things are really expensive. And you know, it made me think we got we got at least a couple guys, including one that's active in the New Hampshire independence movement, who's an actual pilot. Mm-hmm. So like we might be able to save a few bucks on the actual flying time, just maybe pay for gas and wear and tear on the plane or something like that. We might get might be able to get a volunteer pilot for this. That would be awesome. And then just pay whatever the, the fee is to to have one of these big air banners made up. Yeah. Can't be that crazy. I, mm-hmm. I was gonna say I don't think I saw a response to that question. Yeah, yeah I don't know if you've seen it <laughs> and yet. It's bonus but, points if they can shoot down a balloon. but but think about it like you know whenever you've seen one of these things in your life it usually is memorable i mean you don't remember it now probably what it was but in that moment that day you probably said hey did you see this like when you went home or whatever Mm -hmm. when you when you saw somebody that you knew you might say hey did you see that thing up in the air did you see that you know that message or whatever it was and it'll get people talking and it gets attention because it's the only thing up there, right? And it's there's uh, well, it's so unusual, right? Right. That's it what doesn't I mean. happen that often. I mean, unless it's you're rare. Yeah, I mean, unless you're probably like I don't know in California along the beach or something like that. Yeah, you, probably you might aren't, see it pretty. You're probably often not going to see something like that. Yeah, going over Keene, New Hampshire, or Manchester, New Hampshire. I mean, you could make you could make a, the rounds basically go city to city. In all the major cities yeah, in New Hampshire, state. do it over Especially a week. Most of it's the southern part anyway where yeah. the population is. So. And you'd have people talking. Yeah. Like, oh, did you hear this today? Did you hear that this week or see that this week? And they're like, no, oh, it was over my town you know, today or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be, uh, it could be good. Well, it's nice to have a, a form of communications that the powers that be can't cut off, mm, too. That's true. 
That is an interesting point. They yeah, can't barring stop shooting them people down. from though, looking up in the sky. Though right. you know what? Um, I do believe the FAA does actually regulate that. Oh, they probably do, <laughs> but uh, that's that's a question for our pilot friends, right? Yeah, because it's doable. You can hire people to do this this work. Yeah, you can. And uh, it is a little, you know, I don't even think it's that crazy expensive if you think about it. Like I've done some pricing on. There's like a billboard in Manchester. On top of one of the free staters places called Murphy's Tap Room, it's a fairly oh, those are great billboards. Fairly busy, yeah. It's a nice looking billboard. It's a busy intersection, but the fact is, you're still only getting the people who are at that intersection in that one specific spot, and only if they happen to be looking, and only if your ad happens to come up because it's one of those digital billboards. Well, that's not necessarily the case because it's quite possible that. Uh, if if a billboard goes went up there, mm-hmm. uh, there would be videos of it going up on Twitter. Yeah, but you're you might get, that get from, news coverage. You might get that from. You're not going to get a news story out of a most yeah, why would billboards. You get news coverage? But you might get that out of a flying billboard as well. You might. Uh, and and the, you know with a flying billboard, it's apparently visible mm-hmm. from like three to five miles around. How much so, does, bill, does that billboard cost? He said they spent like eighteen hundred or something for two hours. For two hours. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah, and that that includes the making of the uh, the banner. It includes the flight time and whatever they pay the pilot and all that. Oh, so. oh, oh, the oh, plane. I meant the <laughs> I meant the billboard. Oh, the billboard. That's like fifteen hundred for a month, but you're getting it's a shared space, mm-hmm. and you have to commit to more, you know, than just one month to get the good price, basically. So it might be like two thousand if you only want to do a couple weeks or or one month, mm-hmm. and then if you do six, you might get it down to. 1500 a month or something but you're sharing it with however many other uh, billboards are up there so you're not up there it's the 24/7. electronic one yeah that, it's the electronic uh, flat, one. okay yes yeah, so you're not up there 24 7 and i don't know i mean it seems to me like if i were going to spend the money i would want to do the flying one just because it's so noteworthy and you're not just tied to just that one intersection you literally are going to be this the size of these cities like one flying billboard over the entirety of Keene, new hampshire Anyone who's outside is going to see that, right? Like, it's not just one intersection. So anyway, that's, that's one of the things we talked about was like, what are the different advertising styles that, that you can do? And I thought that was a pretty unique concept. We ought to see so. if we can get, uh, we should call up China and, oh, yeah? and see if we can just get them up? to attach one to the next balloon. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. Because yeah, everybody be was hilarious. looking at those for a while. There was, uh, somebody made a balloon video where it zoomed in on the balloon and it said, you know, Nord Stream pipeline bombing or something on the side of the balloon. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really you know, there. But. It, it would be really funny to actually take advantage of that whole publicity situation to send up a balloon with marketing material on it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting idea. If you want to call in here, if you got some ideas you want to share, the number is 603-283-6160. But yeah, doing things that are a little different, I think that's one of the things that's going to take uh, to help get the word out, to get people talking Ian's about independence. a little different. Just don't do it in Mass, <laughs> because in Mass they'll arrest you. Massachusetts, yeah, they might. Uh, so, all right, so let's get into the story here about this prohibitionist who says America has gone too far in legalizing vice, he cites the National Council on Problem Gambling that says the cause of a gambling problem is the individual's inability to control the gambling. And they say it is an organization funded by the gambling industry to help people who become addicted to its products. This attitude that anyone who falls into gambling addiction has only themselves to blame 
has allowed state lawmakers to ignore arguments that more access to gambling might make it easier for people to lose control. Who besides possibly the public schools is responsible for you and and your parents is responsible for your bad decision making? Just you. Is my first question. I mean, a lot of people gamble and, and just enjoy it, but... You know, if you make bad decisions, if you can't calculate odds, then, you know, take it up with your math teacher. It seems like such a hypocritical thing, too, because the states make so much money off Off the lottery. Off the lottery, yeah. 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 Which is just a tax on being bad at math. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, Yeah, it's a great point. They're never going to punish themselves for taking advantage of people. And there's no limitation on the amount of times you can play the lottery, right? Like, you can just keep nope. going back and buying ticket, I'm aware of. ticket after ticket after ticket, and they're not going to say, oh, no, I'm sorry, sir, you've had too much. I, I remember uh, somebody who, uh, in my youth, every single day she bought a ticket. Wow, just just one per day? Wow. I mean, at least one. The, res- the restraint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> since the Supreme Court struck down previous restrictions on sports betting in 2018, 36 states have legalized it. 26 of which allow for mobile betting. Did you guys hear about that when it happened? No. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. What, what happened? Uh, the Supreme Court struck down restrictions on sports betting at the federal level. Okay. And so 36 states- It's almost too bad. That could have been a killer app for uh, crypto. I suspect you can still use crypto to do you, that. You know what's funny mm-hmm. about that, too, is, uh, what is it, um, uh, that that type of, that that is actually like- declined in like in i guess like used to, people aren't doing as much of that anymore well a lot of like uh horse how do you know horse trace racket what do they call that uh racetracks, racetracks are closing yeah. down actually um, uh, i don't know if that's what they're talking about here i think they're talking about actually betting on sports games so racetracks and all that must have been some sort of carve out because that existed prior to 2018 but these, uh, but this is online right no, not just online. It, like you can like go into places, I believe now in certain states, in the thirty-six states that have legalized it. Okay, and you can place a bet on a sports game. So if there's a game that's coming up, or if there's a game that's happening, so Super Bowl, for instance, or you know, you pick the the league, baseball. I bet I'm not going to watch. Indeed, <laughs> uh, but you know, a lot of people are interested in this, and and of course, people have been putting get- bets on games privately for for decades. But it was illegal to do it. Now it's completely legal. We were just talking last week. I don't remember which episode of the show it was, but there's a whole radio station format now called the sports betting talk radio format. So there used to just be huh, there used to be news talk, which is what we're on on most of the stations we're on. There's sports talk. And now there's a whole other talk format in the sports talk genre all around betting on sports. So this has, in a matter of five years, become its own radio talk format. People just talking about what teams to bet on and stuff. This would have been completely prohibited prior to 2018. And now it's legal. Talking about it would have been prohibited? Well, I mean, I guess not talking about it, but I mean, essentially, if you're talking about it, you're kind of... And you would have been encouraging people to do something illegal, and in that, that case, would have been right? illegal. Maybe I'm not. I'm oh, not saying that. We never do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that that <laughs> yeah. would have been illegal, Chris. But yeah. it's not the kind of thing that corporate America was going to oh, get behind. I gotcha. Right? You were never going to yeah. have a radio and format prob- based on right, breaking right. the law. And probably very few people are going to be interested to, in listening uh, to a show on how to bet on sports 
when they can't actually Legally do, do it. it. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, what, when do laws ever stop then people it, from doing stuff they want to do? Well, that's yeah. the point of this argument here is he's arguing that it does stop people from doing what uh, they want to do. If, if, it, if it worked, you know, there wouldn't be, uh, you know, a drug, what's the word they use, it, like epidemic or something like that? Well, that's true, uh, certainly when it comes to drugs, but it might be a that's little bit. such a terrible phrase, though. Because, oh, oh, I don't agree with know, it. I'm just saying that's their choice of heroin. words. I mean, <laughs> you don't catch an addiction, so you mean? Yeah, yeah, you 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 don't go out and oh yeah, I was out and I was I was out in Manchester the other day and I caught heroin <laughs> and uh, you know now I'm all sick. You know, it's like it takes some work to get it sick does. from from heroin. It takes dedication. <laughs> you know, and uh, a lot of very painful mornings. I had a I had a, a woman who was crashing at my at my house one night and she's sitting cross-legged on the uh on the floor and and she shoots up and and she just falls over yeah. and she's just limp as a as, as a biscuit i That's guess scary. but um you know and and so she's like uh sitting indian style but but her forehead's on the floor and she mm. wakes up the next morning. She's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> she was in horrible pain." Wow, you know. But you could tell Take she was still dedication. breathing. Right, she was still breathing. You could tell that, right? Yeah, that's so that's a scary situation though to see somebody go through that. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, we've uh, we'll get into the drug aspect of this because he touches on both gambling and drugs. Uh, but we we no, know that he does. We know that prohibition <laughs> makes drugs worse. We know that prohibition is the reason you know to go back to alcohol prohibition, which you mentioned earlier. Nobody. Mm-hmm. We know that it was alcohol prohibition that drove people towards creating the you know liquor business, right? Because mm-hmm. prior to that, it Wine really wasn't a thing. Yeah, right. So they needed to have liquor because and, it was it took up less space for the smugglers. And of course, the corollary: what takes up very little space now? Fentanyl. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, Her- people were fine with heroin for centuries. Now it's now it's got to be fentanyl, so tiny little amounts. If you've watched a sporting event lately, he says you've been bombarded with ads for online sports gambling, and this weekend's Super Bowl will be no exception. You can tell this was written last week. Similarly, when marijuana legalization is debated, uh, supporters emphasize how the responsible use of marijuana might alleviate the pain of those suffering from incurable diseases. They also point to the worst excesses of the war on drugs, which disproportionately affect black people, though are fortunately getting rarer. This argument has been successful. Only four states still prohibit all uses of marijuana. In 19 states, the recreational use of marijuana is now fully legal. That's that's. Better than I thought it was. I knew I knew it was like over a dozen. I didn't realize it was all the way up to 19 at this point. And all of the other states allow for medicinal use of cannabis products. So that means that uh, there's roughly, if I'm doing my math correct here, it looks like 46 states are now medicinal states hmm. for cannabis. So that's great news. Uh, in fact, it makes me curious. What are those four are the worst four? states? Yeah, I'll see if I can find out for you here. They, they do link to something, uh, but it's not clear. Not not right out in front on that story. Uh, when arguments are made for loosening the government's restrictions on vice, usually proponents make their case with idealistic situations. Shouldn't responsible, independent adults be able to make decisions for themselves about how they spend their money or use their body? 
Well, yeah, that is pretty much the point that we make. So, I mean, you can give this guy credit for understanding the other side of the argument at the very least. You know, this, this so much reminds me of the lines in the road. You know the double yellow lines in the road? Yeah. Okay. So, in, in some places, they've removed the the dotted line and they've turned it into a, a double. That means solid. don't cross, right? Yeah. So, don't mm-hmm. cross. So they're giving you the freedom and the, uh, uh, you know, like you're allowed to make a decision as to whether or not it's safe. But now, no more. Does that happen around here? I've seen. I don't know. I just. I'm just saying. I know it's happened uh, in a lot of places. But isn't yellow also a suggestion? Wouldn't a double white line be "Don't cross" and double yellow would be like double yellow is "Don't cross." Strong suggestion. A, a dotted line, single dotted line would be you're allowed to cross. All right. There's more coming up here in moments. You can share your thoughts. Assuming it's six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. We'll hear more from this prohibitionist on the way. Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join us here. You can bring up anything you want to discuss. We're talking about prohibition. And we actually have an article written by someone who wants to crank it up. He says it's gone too far. The ending of prohibition, the rolling back of prohibition, the legalization of what he describes as vice, says it's gone too far. It's an opinion piece. From the Atlantic. Well, should move to Indonesia. It's a total prohibition in, in effect there right now. Um, isn't that where they were killing people? They were like murdering drug dealers. Wouldn't surprise um, me. Just out in the yeah. street. Oh, oh, I know you're thinking of the Philippines. Uh, the Philippines, yeah. yeah. I mean, it may be true in Indonesia. There, there's a well. bunch of countries like that. Yeah, yeah, there mm. are. Uh, but yeah, in the Philippines, they will just like execute you. No, yeah. no, no need for a, a trial or anything like that. Uh, but if you want to comment, you can join us here, and uh, the number is 603 course, when the American government was executing them, it didn't require a trial either. 603-283-6160. Major Payne is on the line in Michigan. Go ahead, Major. Hey, guys. Hey. Yeah, I got something real quick on the prohibition, and then I got something you guys might not have heard about these crazy balloons. Sure, yeah, go so ahead. Anyway, the prohibition thing, the first two times the military was sick upon the citizenry, one was just before the Revolutionary War, when King George wanted the Virginia farmers to grow hemp for his sails and his rope, and they wanted to grow tobacco because it was more profitable. So he sicked the lobster backs on them then. Mm. And the next time was the Whiskey Rebellion, when they cracked down on the Scott-Irish up in the hills because they figured out they could get seven bales of corn out in a gallon jug if they just turned it into whiskey. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yep. long prohibition, long history. Yeah. There's a uh, series of on books. Crazy, on these crazy balloons. This one that was shot down off a of dead horse, Alaska. I just like saying that name, dead horse. That's a cool name for a town. We but could anyway. call it sadistic equine necrophilia, but that would be beating a dead horse. Oh goodness, you're getting too deep in the weeds for me there on that one, bud. This <laughs> balloon was this balloon was supposedly a fifth grade science project from somewhere. Really. <laughs> and the teacher realized that it just blipped right off the radar. They were tracking the damn thing, and it just disappeared at the same time that this balloon was shot down. Now, the next one that was shot down over Lake Huron, they're claiming it was at the mercy of the winds. Well, I, they only give one little clip on the news, but they showed all kind of a squiggly track of it going all over doing hoop-dee-doos and whatnot over mm-hmm. Michigan. There's no way in hell that this thing was carried by the winds doing what it was doing. 
Well, and then apparently statements from some of the pilots uh, that went up to take these things down was that they um, wouldn't. Didn't they say something about that they weren't no visible means of propulsion? That was what it was. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's that's what they're claiming. But the the thing is, the, the first guy that tried to shoot it down missed. But no no visible means of propulsion. But they weren't acting like balloons would have acted, right? Wasn't that the other detail? The first yeah. pilot popped off around it and he missed. Can't even shoot down a stationary object. They brought him all the way out of Minnesota instead of. When you say around, don't you mean a missile? Didn't they launch a missile and miss? And they don't know what happened to the missile. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Well, all of their stuff is built on heat-seeking capabilities, and it has got no motor. Probably landed no in Poland. <laughs> now I got a question for yes. you. There was a fourth balloon, and I don't know where it was and where it was shot down. I don't recall. I, I don't know. have not been know. paying attention to that. I mean, to me, the whole Ohio uh, explosion of the tankers off the train is way more important of a story uh, than what has been happening with these government shoot downs. And also, not to mention the Seymour uh, Hirsch article that we reported on last week. And by the way, there's an update uh, to that about the Nord Stream pipeline explosion that he who was a longtime investigative reporter. He's in his 80s, and he's still doing investigative reporting, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. He says it was the United States. He's got an in, inside oh, source. Of course it was. Yeah, well, we, we kind of knew that it was anyway. There was a lot of speculation that it was the U.S. Joe Biden basically admitted uh, in February that they were going to destroy mm-hmm. it before it was actually done. But he's got the inside scoop on exactly what happened. So to me, those are way more important stories. And, you know, that's the allegation was the UFO stories were designed to distract people from hearing Seymour Hersh's uh, bombshell, if you will, regarding Nord Stream. And the, uh, the balloon was definitely a distraction. I just think that, I just yeah. thought it was funnier than the help. Joe Biden's such a badass. He's got to shoot down a fifth grade science project. To prove <laughs> Thank you, Major, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things you could do with a balloon that that people wouldn't like, um, in, including dropping COVID twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there could have been some kind of chemical up there, for sure. Um, well, I mean, technically, COVID twenty would probably be a virus right. if it takes after its ancestors. But but yeah, <laughs> it could be a it could be a chemical. Right. It'd be very easy to sprinkle plutonium out of one of these things. Mm-hmm. And there's no evidence that, that they were actually doing that, but it's quite possible that that they were trying to figure out what the defenses were like and what would happen if they tried. Didn't seem like there was much in the way of defenses. It didn't even get noticed apparently until it was what, in halfway across the country? Well, or at least publicly? That's maybe maybe not Mm -hmm. what happened is it got noticed by a civilian Mm -hmm. who posted uh posted video of it um now whether or not the the government knew about it all along i don't know Hmm. um let's go to chuck he's in washington state chuck you're on free talk live go ahead you know what really pisses me off about this whole thing about the uh whole uh reporting uh ufo or whatever what about it? Or, or, or uh, for that matter, uh, the whole uh, chemical spill in people's backyards and everything like that. All these Republicans that sit there on their radio show and sit there and pretend to have a, like, uh, 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 oh, my God, what are you doing, Pete Church? What are you doing? They're the same people that would vote against every regulation 
that would uh, ensure safety protocols to prevent crap like this from happening. You know that the chemicals are already highly regulated, right? Well, whatever. I I find it quite (laughs) disturbing because I live next to an industrial area, Mm -hmm. and I don't, along with a, a waterway that goes into the ocean and everything like that, I find stories like this particularly disturbing. Uh, and, and um, to the point that there's no answer because all of the uh, people that uh, have to do with the uh, protocols and safety and everything like that are already bought off by the chemical companies that are hauling stuff up and down the rail. Right. So, so how are you so gonna... having? Oh, please having more people to buy off really wouldn't make a difference, would it? I mean, the the government yeah. doesn't do anything to protect us what it does is whatever is necessary to extract as much revenue as they possibly can both publicly and privately um from us so you know they're they're not going to protect us anything they're just going to rob us blind while it's happening it's just it's and then you know what is even more disturbing the cleanup cost all the people that want to pretend like there's an issue here and uh, go out there and get the cost from the government that's going to get the cost. It's the idiots that in government that don't want to have any safety protocols in place that we should be pointing the finger at right now. I mean, this is people like Sean Hannity. I mean, this is more of a liability issue, it would seem, um, than uh, one of like regulation. Well, usually when the government regulates something, they also limit liability. For example, there's a cap on nuclear accidents at $1.5 billion, or so it was at one time. I haven't Mm -hmm. looked it up lately. Well, of course, the problem is you can do a hell of a lot more than $1.5 billion of damages with a a nuclear plant. Well, remember the, uh, what was it, the, not Exxon, but the Mm -hmm. one in the Gulf of Mexico, the the big Mm -hmm. oil spill out there, BP? Yeah, uh, 15 years yeah, ago, whenever yeah. it was. Remember, there was a 75, I believe the cap was a $75 million cap on the cleanup. Mm-hmm. So BP didn't yeah. have to pay for that cleanup. It was the taxpayers. Yeah, they socialized the oh, and, liability. And what's worse is is the vaccine monkeys. Mm, you yeah, know? there's no liability. They were completely zero liability. Zero liability. They may have killed millions of people. We won't know for a decade. But they won't be paying. See, here's the thing with, that you're missing, I think, Chuck, is that you... you Cronies. You, you're correct in that uh, you, you mentioned regulatory capture, where the the people regulating the railroads are the people running the railroads, or the people regulating the, uh, the industry of uh, medicines are the people running the industry yeah. of medicines. So it's, you know, it's or medicines. It's, it's regulatory capture. And that's the, the thing that... The buy into government. That's the thing that you, you can't avoid. So, I mean, you can call for more regulations, but it's always going to be written by these people. These are the people that have the ears of the uh, the representatives and the senators and such. They're the ones that are applying them with the, with the dollars and the favors and, and all of that. And no amount of shouting about it, no amount of demanding is going to make it any better. Mm-hmm. And all your regulations ultimately accomplish 
is they make it difficult for competition to come into any given industry because the existing. I I realized this when I was, uh, I used to be involved in uh, customs and immigration and that kind of field (laughs) when I was Mm. in the U.S. Army. Okay. And I saw back in the day, like, if you started to inspect everybody's cargo coming in, mm-hmm. just think about the, uh, the 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 impact that would have on everybody that was trying to get the stuff into the United States. Sure, it'd be a tremendous versa. slowdown. But in this case, we have uh, people that are in the media, uh, superpowers that that uh, that uh, guide people's decision making. Uh, sitting there um, talking about, well, why doesn't uh, Joe Biden do more? Why doesn't Pete Buttigieg do more when they haven't voted for anything like that in their life? And they won't do it because of exactly the the safeguards that we're talking about. They don't want that. But the safeguards wouldn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's just yeah. political political point scoring because Pointer. the reality yeah. is if, yes. if a different party was in power – then all the same things would be say, being said <laughs> by the other by side. the opposite people. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, Chuck, yeah. thanks for the call tonight, man. I do appreciate hearing from you. The number is 603-283-6160. I want to get back to the prohibitionists in a moment, but since we since I brought up the uh, you know, the cover uh cover up basically on the Seymour Hearst story, did mm-hmm. you guys hear about that? Were we talk did we talk about that last I, week? I don't think we did. Uh, not on Friday anyway. Um okay. what can you give us a little bit of a summary like what exactly happened? Okay. And- so Seymour Hirsch, who's a longtime investigative reporter who like blew the doors off of like Watergate. I mean, this guy's been around for he's been doing this for fifty years, right? Like this guy's got some incredible renown for his for investigative reporting. He's now in his eighties. He came out with a five thousand word paper on what really happened with this uh, Nord Stream explosion. You may remember in uh, September of last year, the Nord Stream pipeline, which is underwater pipeline in the Baltic Sea, blew up, and right. it was like this big mystery of like, whoa, did Russia blow up their yeah, own pipeline? Mystery. And then in February of 2020 you, or 2022, you've got Joe Biden speaking at a press conference where he basically says straight out oh, yeah. that if Russia invades the if Russia invades Ukraine, we will take it out, meaning the Nord Stream talking specifically about the Nord Stream pipeline. And yeah. so they did. Yeah, he like named it by he name. He did. Yeah. The same thing happened. There was a woman speaking to a to a group of people and and she said well one way or the other Nord Stream will not continue in service or whatever yeah. and and the the audience was like well how are you going to do that she, we're going to do it we have our ways <laughs> right we're going to lie about it yeah afterwards they ha- right they haven't told the truth they lie about everything yeah so they telegraphed it in advance Yep. They just the only thing they haven't done was, as nobody points out, actually claim responsibility yeah, for they it. They didn't confirm what they did. At least correct. terrorists have a pair of balls. <laughs> right. Well, uh, other terrorists. And so Hirsch got himself an insider, somebody in either the CIA or the military, because apparently this was a you know multi-jurisdictional operation involving both the CIA and the military. And uh, he talks about how they decided what to do. Early on, before the invasion, this was started back, they, he said, in December of 2021, the plotting for this. So this was all being plotted long before Russia decided to invade mm-hmm. Ukraine. 
And then it was uh, the way they operated this was they teamed up with the Netherlands uh, military. And apparently every summer in this particular area of the Baltic Sea, there is some sort of joint military operations between like the Netherlands and some of the other uh, European countries that are up that way, Denmark, etc., and uh, they they have these military operations where there's ships in the water, right? Like they're doing divings and whatever other things that they're doing. And so they decided they were going to use that yearly time frame in the summer as the cover to send down a, like a special diving squad to go and put bombs on the Nord Stream pipeline hmm. in the midst of all the things that were going on. So they, they, would, have, they would have a reason to be out there. Because they were there every year for the military activities. So that's when they laced the bombs down on the pipelines. And then the bombs weren't triggered until three months later. Triggered. By a uh, buoy that was apparently dropped from a P-8 Poseidon plane that flew down. Dropped the buoy that was issuing a signal out of it. And that triggered the explosions. I I was really curious uh, if that was what they did or if they used a... Because they've under... Uh, they have subs that can do that sort of thing as well. Yeah, you didn't, they don't want to have anyone in the area. Well, it, with a sub, presumably they don't know you're in the area. Well, the Russians are monitoring underwater, so they wouldn't have been able to do that. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know how well it, that area is monitored or how, how much capabilities the Russians have to do that. But Well, according to the article, they have capabilities. So they couldn't just be seen, quote-unquote, right. in the water on the night of the explosion. Uh, but, of course, the plane was still seen uh dipping down from like 20,000 feet to 10,000 feet as it did something which wasn't known at the time what it was doing. Mm. So, but that's not it. That's not where the story ends. And again, there's a 5,000 word news piece that Seymour Hirsch put out about this. According to RT.com, Hirsch says more Nord Stream bombshells are coming. The legendary reporter slammed mainstream media for ignoring his story. He's promised to reveal more incriminating information linking the U.S. to the demolition of the Nord Stream gas pipelines. Those scumbags are just stenographers I mean, for the government. Of basically. course the mainstream media ignored it. They're working for the government. The yeah. government is actually paying reporters to go work at these papers in the first place. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden ordered the lines destroyed to prevent Germany from resuming purchase of cheap Russian gas, said Hirsch. In a post to his Substack page on Wednesday, which is interesting, a lot of these independent there, reporters are going to Substack yeah. these days. Has there been any response from the Germans on this? Good question. I have they not seen should it. be hot. Yeah. If they give a damn about their yeah. people, you know, if they're if they're more interested in their people than keeping their various uh, I, uh, Epstein videos off, uh, you know, off the internet then they should be doing something about this. That's an excellent question. Uh, I have not heard of anything, but if you guys out there listening I mean, have seen that, give us a call and the, let us know. The problem here is probably one of uh, you know money and, and, and you know value, right? Like, what is, what's the Russian relationship worth? What's the U.S. relationship worth? And if, if Well, if, right now, the Germans are purportedly on the quote-unquote same side as the U.S. because they're both right. backing Ukraine by sending in tanks yep. uh, to Ukraine. So German tanks are going down to Ukraine, and American Abrams tanks are going down there as well. So, yeah, I mean, this could definitely drive a schism between uh, the German government and the U.S. government, and it would be interesting to hear if they've even acknowledged this story. And people are already trying to get rid of the German government. There have been a... Uh 
a number of, of apparently attempted coups in Germany. Yeah, yeah you're true. talking about when they or they rounded those people up. Yeah, some some Who, months ago. I mean, they claim that they were white nationalists, mm-hmm. but they said the same thing about the Canadian truckers. So yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, that lies that. wearing out. There, there is there is a lot of skepticism there. I think, um, or you know, things you should be skeptical about, um, just because of how often you know these governments you know lie and the media lies yeah. about what's actually going on. Um, and they want if they want to if they want to destroy a group, they'll you know they'll just use the word white nationalist or you know some and other similar term question or it. terrorist or you know whatever. And it's like, you know, what is a terrorist? It's just you know it's one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. Hirsch, in a post on his Substack Wednesday, slammed the mainstream media, singling out the New York Times and Washington Post for refusing to, quote, run a word, unquote, on the pipeline story and for ignoring Russia and China's calls for an international investigation. Both papers, he said, published his exposés on the U.S. military's war crimes in Vietnam, but are now seemingly uninterested in, quote, national security or matters of war and peace. Let's go to the phones here. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Uh, Yes, this is Jim in Daytona Beach. Jim, you're on the air. um, Yeah. All right. Answer uh, a few things here. So the Germans are basically not willing to comment on this, which Mm. probably means that it's true. Uh, So if you go back about a year or a year and a half, uh, the Germans were not in on this idea of standing up to the Russians. And there was no real confusion about why because of this pipeline. They Mm -hmm. looked at that as a greater issue than, uh, you know, standing up to the Russians. So the U.S. decided, well, well, we'll just take care of that and we'll get rid of that pipeline. And now all of a sudden the Germans are sending tanks and are involved because basically they have, uh, you know, lost any reason for staying on the sidelines. Hmm. So that's um, really, you know, my take on what has happened. And I have no doubt that the U.S. was involved. There's so much evidence they were involved. Oh, yeah. And uh the Germans are just staying quiet about it because I think they really have no choice at this point but to uh, go along with the program. Well, one of the things that made it obvious to me was at the time that it happened, um, the silence was was deafening. They should have been crying about the the environment and getting Greta Thunberg out there <laughs> right. to get all irate and say the the Russians had stolen her childhood. But uh, but nope. nothing nothing of the kind. Right. But if no, if no anybody but the Americans had blown it up, it would have been the worst environmental disaster yeah. in history. Oh, yeah. Plus, yeah, it, they would have they would have blamed it on terrorists. They would have had the list of all the big terrorist groups that probably were involved in. Uh, well, it, none it, of that happened either. Good point. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's just a tremendous amount of evidence that it was the U.S. And I think this yeah. kind of stuff just goes on. A lot of times, we don't even know what's going on behind the scenes. This is maybe one of those rare times that we do get to see what's happening, and uh, it's sort of. Um, you know, that chess game that goes on on three or four levels between even between allies when, uh, you know, we think of these allies and say, well, you know, German, the Germans are on the same side as us. But, you know, when they're not exactly marching in step with us, then we will do things uh, to make them. So. Thank you for the call tonight. Great points. Really appreciate hearing from you. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. A little bit more on what the legendary reporter, investigative reporter Seymour Hirsch has to say. Again, he's kept a few things to his chest, apparently, about this whole Nord Stream thing. 
And uh, he says more will be revealed. There's more coming up here. You can join us. This is Free Talk Live. show we're talking about the Nord Stream pipeline bombing Seymour Hirsch the octogenarian investigative reporter who's still on the job still cranking out amazing coverage of stories well he better be because none of the younger ones are on any job at all except sucking up to the government (sighs) there's got to be some out there that are still doing a good job but there's there's a few there's the guy who does sovereign media um oh okay yeah ben swan dash yep. guy bands yep. ben swan there's uh actually jimmy door um who's kind of a left-wing comedian uh comedian mm-hmm. has, isn't he gonna uh, be at the anti-war protests this weekend yeah 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 he's he's Sunday, one of the, the few leftists that's still anti-war so mm-hmm. kudos to him on that he also was nailing it on covid Oh, good. Uh, he was telling telling the truth about COVID, and they hate him on the left now. Even Bill Maher's been going off. Bill uh, Maher well. came along a lot later yeah. and yeah. started doing it, but Jimmy Dore paved the way. Yeah, that's true. He was, he was, he was Bill Maher's canary in the coal mine. <laughs> yeah, so there are some you know outstanding person, personalities out there, and uh, but this guy's been at it for a very, very long time, breaking stories as far back as, uh, as Vietnam. And I actually got his Substack pulled up here. Seymour Hirsch uh, is on Substack. And for listeners that aren't familiar, Substack is this website that is sort of portrays itself as being a place for independent journalists or anybody else with something to express where they can have that expression supposedly without any kind of filters, uh, without any kind of editorial in, you know, messing around with, you know, the content and so that is what attracted Seymour Hirsch to it. I'll give you his own words as to why that is. But also, Glenn Greenwald is another one to your list there, nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, thinking of him, too. He's another one who who cut his teeth in you know the mainstream media, places like The Guardian, for instance. That's where he was when he broke this. Uh, he was one of the founders the of The Guardian. Was he? I thought he was one or, of the founders of The Intercept. No, no, he was one Intercept. of the founders of The Intercept. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, but he did work for The Guardian when he broke the Snowden story back in 2013, moved mm-hmm. to The Intercept, and then that got corrupted, and then he ended up going to Substack as well. But uh, here's a now, little bit how more. how does Substack work? Do you pay like a monthly fee for the whole site? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, you pay per subscription. So okay. if you want to follow Seymour Hirsch, there's a paid version of that. There's also a free version as well. So you can still follow the people you want to follow. You get their public posts sent directly to your email box uh but if you want to if you want to actually subscribe to the person that you enjoy and support them directly then there's a way to do that as well so it seems to be working out they've got a lot of uh a lot of writers on that site now of course it is still centrally controlled somebody runs this thing it's still hosted somewhere so in theory it could be vulnerable to some kind of governmental targeting and and takedown but for what it is it's definitely a step in the right direction anyway i wanted to finish up here with Uh, The statement from RT, which, of course, is Russia Today. It's the Russian government-funded news site 
where they're re- they're reporting on this story. RT uh-huh. is covering the Nord Stream uh, bombings, and they have been since before Seymour Hersh came out with his piece. Uh, but- and that's not surprising, considering they were more or less the victims Indeed. of them. Uh, So they point out here that Nord Stream 1 and 2, which connected Russia and Germany under the Baltic Sea, were damaged in a series of underwater explosions last September. Hirsch, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, released a report last week blaming the U.S. for the attack and detailing how the Biden administration and the CIA planned the operation. It is a detailed report. Uh, The White House dismissed the allegation as, quote, utterly false and complete fiction. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Well... Then, then it must be true because right. Biden never makes a true statement. I mean, you know, the it, professional liars say this is a lie. It, this is kind of this is kind of a funny a funny thing because if this was like a trial, um, you know, the president already admitted to it before he committed the crime. He did, yeah, and it's like. Like it, it's it, it's almost to a point where it's beyond a reasonable doubt. If absolutely. it's not, you know, you like know the guys you would are... absolutely be convicted in a case. Well, I think we should extradite Biden to Russia and and have, have him, him stand, trial. stand trial. Well, there was a lot more than just Biden involved in this, but you know the the actual plotting agents, the CIA and the military, who are the ones that did the dirty work here. You know, when they saw that clip of Biden actually just admitting to it or pl- admitting the plot, <laughs> yeah, right? you know, they just all face palmed at the same moment. You think like, they didn't know about? that though what do you mean i mean well it seems like something that people in the military would pay attention to no what i mean is when biden uh spilled the beans publicly in february that they were planning to destroy the pipeline you know these guys were like oh my god (laughs) what did he just say right (laughs) he just he's just spouting off at a press conference and he reveals what their big plan is that's not the best, mm-hmm. you know, the smartest move. Didn't stop them from going through it. No, they through went through with it, it. though, did it? Uh, the article backed up Moscow's repeated assertions that the U.S. had carried out the strike in order to prevent rapprochement between Russia and Germany while making Berlin dependent on more expensive American liquefied natural gas, because that's what was in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Germany halted certification of Nord Stream 2 in the days before Russian troops entered Ukraine, and EU sanctions throttled the flow of gas through Nord Stream 1 since late summer by impeding vital repairs. However, Hirsch told Germany's Berliner Zutung newspaper Tuesday that the Biden administration feared Berlin would lift the sanctions and resume gas transit as temperatures dropped over the winter. But they they lucked out so far because apparently the winter, like it has been here, has been a little warmer. Uh, than than normal over in in Germany. So they haven't had to dig into the reserves as much as they expected. Uh, He asserted, quote, the president of the United States would rather see Germany freeze than see Germany possibly stop supporting Ukraine. Of course he would. These people are all psychopaths. He said further, there may be more to learn about Joe Biden's decision to prevent the German government from having second thoughts about the lack of cheap gas this winter, said Hirsch. He said, stay tuned. We're only on first base. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of like a guy beating his wife, uh, you know, and then like causing her to be fired from her job. And then and then she can't like she can't. The only thing she can do is like, you know, continue the relationship, because then if she doesn't, it's she has nothing. Right. Mm. And that's kind of where Germany is. They were getting gas from from Russia. Russia, And of course, they're partnering with the United States. But. (laughs) <laughs> the United States then cuts off their relationship with Russia, and therefore mm-hmm. they're now dependent on the United States. Yep, or China. 
or wherever else they can yeah. get the the LNG Which, from. And don't the chip fabrication machines come from Germany? Hmm. No, that's the Netherlands, I believe. Netherlands. Yeah, what's that company? ASL, ASML, um, or something like that. I think it's ASML. Yeah, it that is. sounds that sounds like it might be right. Uh, let's go to the phones here. We got Sydney on the line in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live, Sydney. Oh, hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Yes, can you hear me loud and clear? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, great. Uh, so you're talking about Seymour Hersh's article yeah. and the Russia and Ukraine thing, and I just wanted to bring up that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this weekend on Sunday there's going to be a protest or a an event. It's sponsored by the Libertarian, the National Libertarian Party. I believe it's in Washington D.C. Um, I first heard about it on Free Talk Live a couple yeah. weeks ago. Have you guys heard anything more about that? Uh, no, it's still happening. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I forget the name of it, but it's happening as you it's said. It's the uh, Rage Against the War Machine. Thank you. Yeah, RageAgainstWar.com yeah. is the website. It is happening on Sunday. So this Sunday, February nineteenth, the Libertarian Party, in coalition with a new party called the People's Party, which is a left-wing group, from what I understand, uh, has teamed up for this, and they are going to be in uh, in Washington D.C. What did you What did you have to say about it, Sydney? Uh, well, just in preparation for the call, I looked at this press release that the Libertarian Party put out, and um, I guess they denounced one of the speakers and tried to distance themselves from that person. Mm-hmm. But also, they mentioned at the end of their press release that. It's very important to uh, make coalitions between different groups that, although they may disagree a lot, if they can come together on such a significant issue as anti-war, it's definitely worth it. So I totally support this. I won't be going myself, um, but if anybody could get out there and just show your support, um, you know, take over the mic if you can, voice your opinion. I'm very upset about the Ukraine war. It's about to be one year. Mm. The State Department put out a, a release about a week ago saying all Americans in Russia get out. So I think mm-hmm. that they're going to escalate this coming up on the uh, anniversary. They're putting out propaganda that Ukraine's winning, Ukraine's holding the line, Ukraine's taking back territory, Russia's losing hundreds of thousands of troops. I'm personally not buying it. Mm. I think that they're trying to set up Ukraine to take the fall or, or be the firewall for, for Europe and just start something much larger than what it really needs to be. There, there's no need to have war the uh, United States and Russia have been going at it since probably 2014, at least. Um, you know, they, they toppled the government. The United States government toppled the government in Ukraine. The United States government is supporting the rebels in Syria. Uh, there's just so much going on uh, between the United States and Russia. If we remember the, the whole Russian collusion for the past five years, that turned out to be nothing. I think that the, the mass media is in the government's pocket or the deep state's pocket, and they're dilute. They're, they're just deceiving all the American people. And, you know, there's uh, on your show during the breaks, there's a funny onion uh, little snippet, which is that, you know, the American people are one news article away from from just saying, hell, let's go to war. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the mass media is always like that. We're always just one event away from going to war with whoever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't say anything and else it's to the, add to that. The military industrial complex. I mean, I, I don't know. I think all, most of your listeners probably are totally aware of everything I'm saying, but, you know. Well, yeah, they might have, might not have been aware of the, the uh, protest going on in D.C. And again, it's rageagainstwar.com. Uh, to whatever extent that it's worth attending, you know, it's it's never a bad thing to meet people. And I think that's ultimately what the benefit of most of these protests is, is that you get to network and you get to meet people and 
And that, I think, is a benefit. I don't think the politicians are ever going to see a protest and, and say to themselves, well, I guess we won't go to war now. People are having a protest about it. But I, you know, for that to happen, you got to bring torches and pitchforks. Right. Thank you for the call tonight, Sydney. Uh, and, and of course, they're prepared for that sort of thing in Washington, D.C. They have tanks and other things that will make make it a very bad time. Uh, but someone who has uh, some experience with anti-war matters is Seymour Hirsch. And I've got his substack pulled up here. I just thought this was interesting. Why did a man who is in his 80s, he's like 85, he's about to turn 86, if I recall correctly. Uh, why did this guy who spent decades doing this investigative reporting decide all of a sudden to jump into this independent website called Substack and start publishing and, and you know release this bombshell of a 5,000-word news story about the Nord Stream pipeline explosions. And I, I wanted to well, share... Well, all the young ones have been busy having a tantrum about Trump for six years. And I wanted to share what he had to say about it, because I think it's actually really interesting. Uh, so here's what he says. I, I just love this guy's uh, demeanor. He says, I've been a freelancer for much of my career. In 1969, I broke the story of a unit of American soldiers in Vietnam who had committed a horrific war crime. The My Lai Massacre. That's the one. They were ordered to attack an ordinary peasant village, whereas a few officers knew they would get no opposition and told to kill on sight. The boys murdered, raped, and mutilated for hours, with no enemy to be found. The crime was covered up at the top of the military chain of command for 18 months until I uncovered it. I won a Pulitzer Prize for international reporting for that work, but getting it before the American public was no easy task. I wasn't an established journalist working for an established outfit. My first story, published under a barely existent wire service run by a friend of mine, was initially rejected by the editors at Life and Look magazines. When Washington Post finally published it, they littered it with Pentagon denials and the unthinking skepticism of the rewrite man, which I presume is an individual at the Post who just took Hirsch's work and just chopped it up or added things to it or whatever. Editor. He says, I've been told my stories were wrong, invented, and outrageous for as long as I can remember, but I've never stopped. In 2004, after I published the first stories about the torture of Iraqi prisoners at Abu Ghraib, remember that one? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. This was the guy, apparently. They were spreading democracy. That's how you do that. A Pentagon spokesman responded by calling my journalism, quote, a tapestry of nonsense. What was it they just said about his report about the Nord Stream pipeline? Let me reverse uh, 10 minutes here. We go back to the RT coverage. The White House dismissed his story as, quote, utterly false and complete fiction. Mm -hmm. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? You know, it's it's funny considering the government is made up of, of politicians and liars. Liars. Yeah. <laughs> or you repeat yourself. You repeat yourself. <laughs> right. I am literally repeating myself. The Pentagon spokesbureaucrat who commented on Abu Ghraib at the time also said, I was a guy who, quote, threw a lot of crap against the wall and expects someone to peel off what's real, unquote. I won my fifth George Polk Award for that work. I put in my time at the major outlets, but was never at home there. More recently, I wouldn't be welcome anyway. Money, as always, was part of the problem. The Washington Post and my old newspaper, the New York Times, to name just a few, have found themselves in a cycle of dwindling home delivery, newsstand sales, and display advertisements. Yeah, he's right. The newspaper business is it's dying. Yeah, and the government's now funding it, too, so... CNN and its offspring like MSNBC and Fox News battle for sensational headlines over investigative journalism. 
There are still many brilliant journalists at work, but so much of the reporting has to be within guidelines and constraints that didn't exist in the years I was turning out daily stories for the Times. Truth is treason and the empire alive. He says that's where Substack comes along. Here, I have the kind of freedom I've always fought for. I've watched writer after writer on this platform as they've freed themselves from their publisher's economic interests, run deep stories without fear of word counts or column inches, and most importantly, spoken directly to their readers. And that last point for me is the clincher. I've never been interested in socializing with Pauls or cozying up to money types at the self-important cocktail get-togethers, the star-effing parties, I always (laughs) like to call them. I'm, always, I'm at my best when I swig cheap bourbon with the servicemen, work over the first-year law firm associates for Intel, or swap stories with a junior minister from a country most people can't name. That's always been my style, and as it turns out, it's the ethos of this online community as well. What you'll find here is, I hope, a reflection of that freedom. The story you will read today, which is the one about the Nord Stream pipeline, this is what he published just before publishing that, is the truth as I worked for three months to find with no pressure from a publisher, editor, or peers to make it hue to certain lines of thought or pare it back to assuage their fears. Substack simply means reporting is back, unfiltered and unprogrammed, just the way I like it. And I thought that was a really, really nice endorsement of this platform and the fact that this particular investigative reporter who has broken so many of the most meaningful, uh, just shocking stories about the U.S. government and its, you know, the things that it has done in secret over the years, I thought really does lead, lead a lot of credence uh, to mm-hmm. this. So kudos to whoever it is that's running Substack for apparently staying out of the way of the people who are using that particular platform. And I can see you're gritting your teeth over there, Chris. You, you, uh, you know, you're you're a critic, I imagine, of uh, of this whole thing. I, I'm not so much a critic of Substack as I am a, 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 a cringing in the idea that there is another centralized party mm-hmm. uh, controlling the strings ultimately, whether or not they are actually doing so Yet. right now. Yeah. 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 There is the possibility that something could happen here. That is what happened with Glenn Greenwald over at The Intercept, an organization he founded. Yep. And then a board of directors got in charge and they decided that you know they were going to take things in a direction that he didn't foresee coming and he got so frustrated with it he quit uh the intercept which has got to be a really frustrating thing to you know to go through to see something that that you created be subverted into something that is the opposite of what your uh your intentions were but yet we've seen it happen so many times when a board of directors gets a hold of something oh yeah it just it screws things up. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think about this with shareholders, and uh, there was a, there's a company. I mean, this was a long time ago, but uh, Coral back in like the 90s, who they they uh, they put out a distribution. Well, back in those days, they were competing with Microsoft, mm-hmm. and they had WordPerfect and CorelDRAW and all basically all the software. And they didn't have an operating system, and so they they put money into developing an operating system based on based on Linux and GNU. And uh, basically, at the end of the day, they they invested in something, and the shareholders freaked out because the company was losing money. Well, I wasn't really losing money; they were they were investing, right? So they were spending money, um, but they pulled out. The CEO pulled out because of the shareholders, and uh, ultimately, uh, you know, nobody knows what Coral is today. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, who, I recognize even, it, but you recognize I've it being around. so old, but you haven't heard about it in 20 years. No, and that's because that's because uh, you know the guy still exist, who did though. the right. Yeah, they still exist, but the guy did the right thing. He made the investments for the long term, mm. but then he pulled out because of the shareholders. Mm. So, do they produce anything now? I think no, they still do no, paint nothing shop. that people use. Right, that's I've the, used Paint Shop Pro in recent years. Oh, they do paint. They, shop? Oh, you might sure be, you might be right. They might mm, still have Paint yeah. Shop. But um, but it's not. It's certainly not. They were they were they, bigger they were, than Microsoft. They were a behemoth once upon a time. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and it, yeah, the one thing they were missing was an operating system, and they ported all their applications to Linux, uh, or where they were going to. They got about halfway, I think, and then uh, you know, and then the the shareholders freaked out, and CEO backed out, and they lost all that money, and they haven't. They have. They've never. They've never come back from it. Yeah, I get the the critiques. The downside, of course, if Seymour Hirsch were to just launch his own blog, is he may not have the same exposure, right? So to some extent, being on platforms, as much as we value decentralization, and we do, and I would suggest that Hirsch should probably have his posts on a blog, on his own blog, but there's nothing wrong with putting it on Substack because it can help him monetize, right? It can help him expose uh, his content, as they point out here. So, I, I mean, this is a technological problem, but it's a technological solution, and there just isn't a good one right now to centralize To bring an audience to yeah, a decentralized yeah. platform? I mean, what yeah, we there need isn't. is something more like cryptocurrency combined with... Um, you know, something probably like Substack, uh, but it's it's but closer to Bitcoin, right? So think about a blockchain. Well, for they had news. that. They had Steemit. Isn't did you ever use it? Steemit, yeah, I can't remember. Was was Steemit not centralized? Uh, no, it's a blockchain. What's so blockchain? Okay, the, the, there's a website which is was an interface to the blockchain, but anyone could build a similar site should they want to. So. Sure. Uh, so that might be a better solution than than Substack. I don't know enough about Substack, so I I, I don't want to I don't want to be overly critical of Substack. Steemit or, did did kind of catch on for a few years amongst the Liberty community. It had a lot of buzz for a couple of years over at Anarchapulco. Mm. Uh, people were posting there. I was posting there for uh, some time, and I just honestly I just got tired of cross posting over to Steam. It it wasn't. Um, there was a time when it generated some revenue, but that kind of fell off, mm-hmm. and I just got tired of it. Honestly, so that's mm-hmm. why that's why I quit dealing with it. But uh, they point out here over at Substack that apparently about forty percent of new free subscriptions and around ten percent of paid subscriptions come from. Other substacks, meaning that you know people that are just floating around looking for related items or whatever, other other people to write, uh, you know, to read on substack. So I mean, for what it is, it seems like it's pretty good. I suspect they have rules. There, there probably are some rules. Uh, it's just we haven't heard. There hasn't been a scandal yet. It, it, uh, here's substack. the thing. Here's the thing. If you don't have rules and you operate any kind of website, mm-hmm. the government will shut you down. If you don't have some some limited, at least but some the rules. least your banker is going to shut you down. The bank's going to cut uh, right, your right. credit so, card access. Yeah, or something. There, there's definitely mm-hmm. some rules. Yeah. Um, a, a truly free system, a, a solution does it simply doesn't exist uh, as far as I can tell. And it won't until there's a way. To obfuscate who's running it, mm-hmm. um, or decentralize it. I mean, maybe that's um, obfuscation. Well, you could potentially know who's running an individual node, and because it's all spread out, but, but it doesn't you don't necessarily know who's running the organization. There could be a because, decentralized autonomous organization, right? Then you would have no idea. I mean, yeah, 
Yeah. And then you wouldn't know who to arrest, who mm-hmm. to torture, who to well, murder. I mean, it's, you know, everything is complicated because ultimately you could potentially go after the developers, right? Uh, you know, depending on how Which much they did when they it came were. to Tornado Cash, right? Sure, they, they went sure, after those sure. guys. Wh- which is that why... guy's still in jail in Europe, last I heard, really? a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is why operational security matters, especially, like, people don't think about it normally, like, as a developer, but... If you're going to do something that's really radical, it's going to change the change system. Things, yeah, you, better you need keep to think quiet. about your operational security. Yeah. And, and you know, the one person that seems to have done that? Satoshi Nakamoto. Satoshi Nakamoto, exactly. And so, also and the, Monero guy. the Monero guy. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Who may be the same person. Could be. <laughs> there are theories out there uh, that Monero was just, you know, Bitcoin 2.0. Yeah, there's there's not a whole Satoshi. lot of examples of uh, people doing operational security properly. Mm-hmm. Um, they exist, but it's it's not a whole lot. If you want to join the show here, the number is 603-283-6160. So, again, Seymour Hirsch, the investigative reporter, he's in his 80s. He's still going strong, and he says he's got more to uncover about the Nord Stream situation. If you want to comment, you're welcome to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. Plus, we'll get back into the Prohibitionist. We started the show out with earlier tonight. Got a little distracted from it. He's, uh, he's you know, going to make the argument that things have gone too far with repealing prohibitions in the United States. We'll see if he has any decent argument coming up. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. And you can join the show here. You can bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. Ian, nobody and Chris joining you here tonight. You can join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com. And by the way, big thanks to our Free Talk Live supporters and our AMPS program, like Jessica, who is a platinum-level supporter, meaning Jessica is doing at least 25 bucks per month through our AMPS program. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. Is a way for you to directly support us, or at least as directly as you can, because I can't take cryptocurrency at the moment, uh, thanks to my bail conditions, but you can still send us dollars. And of course, you have to have somebody to process that, and in this case, it's Patreon. Uh, so head over to amps.freetalklive.com if you want to get signed up. It's as little as five bucks a month. Jessica's doing five times that. So thank you, Jessica, for uh, stepping up to that level. Definitely appreciate that. You get some perks as well, like access to the Amp Only podcast, which has the full radio show without the recorded commercials, over at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. And for those of you that do not want to support Patreon, you can join our Odyssey subscriptions. And there have been actually a few people who've signed up through Odyssey. In fact, one guy left our patreon because he didn't really like patreon but he still wanted to support us now he's supporting us on odyssey instead which is pretty cool so it gives gives you a choice that is really awesome yeah who you want (laughs) to use you know it's still credit card it's still you know they're doing the old payment systems Mm. but uh, that's all we can take at the moment so once again head over to our uh, if you want to do the odyssey version just go to video.freetalklive.com and click the join button it's up there at the top of the page so once again that's video dot freetalklive.com you know one of the problems is that patreon i believe is a left-leaning platform that's kicked off a lot of libertarians yeah Yeah. so um it's definitely something you if you if you can move away from i would encourage it well i mean we'll just keep it we'll just keep it going until you know the time runs out i'm not saying you should yeah what i'm saying saying is individuals if you want to contribute considering taking a look at the uh, odyssey Odyssey is definitely a better like more freedom friendly platform Uh, yeah 
but then again, Patreon's got some other features that Odyssey doesn't have, so they kind of go. They both got their ups and their downs. Yep. It's like whatever. Pick your poison, okay? So uh, we continue here. We got Sarah on the line. You're on Free Talk Live, calling from New Mexico. Go ahead, Sarah. Oh yes. Um, yes. I just I just heard on the news that in the New Orleans, um, they banned serving soda pop to children. So that's going to be serving soda pop, meaning a child cannot order a soda at a uh, fast food restaurant or a Seven Eleven or something like that. Um, I don't know how. I don't know what the details are. That's what I was told. So the par- it's the kids. They don't order soda pop. The parents order it for them, right? What? No, what I've gone into. Places before as a child, like a 7-Eleven, and purchased my own soda. I certainly didn't need my parents uh, in order to do that there. I bought a lot of big gulps. Yeah, I can't imagine that that you would necessarily need to be... Uh, have an adult buy something for you. It's I, I guess I have, certain, I have certain... If you go young enough, I guess maybe, but... Okay. Well, I, mean, I think... What they, what they trying to do this at a restaurant in California... I don't. They were trying to do this somewhere before. Yeah, so there that, has been proposals like this. Apparently, this is affecting restaurants, uh, according to NOLA.com. So I don't know if convenience stores are going to be included in this. A story from actually in January. So you're a little late to the party with this one, uh, Sarah, on this news. But this is what they're calling the Healthy Kids Meal Beverage Ordinance. <laughs> <laughs> is this like a city ordinance that's what it's sounding like here i actually had to pull up a different site because nola's loaded up with uh blocking mechanisms here uh new orleans diners will have to go off menu if they want to order soft drinks with kids meals according to an ordinance by the city health department and passed unanimously by the new orleans city council earlier in january in uh, sorry late december the measure went into effect january 1st Restaurants will be able to serve water, milk, or fruit juice, which, by the way, fruit juice isn't that much better than soda, (laughs) just for the record. It's loaded with sugar in a lot Mm -hmm. of cases. With kids' meals by default, according to the Times-Picayune, it's part of an effort to give children healthier food and beverage options and reduce rates of childhood obesity. You know, know, the crazy thing about that is they have the options already, and it's it's, it's not like parents can't uh you know it is this is this is the nanny state right it's the i the whole thing about being a parent is you know you parent but the state is like taking away you know that from the people um it's just it just seems crazy what are you you in favor of this of course Uh, she is but yes please tell us all about it sarah (laughs) oh yeah i i'm definitely in favor of this because most parents um they don't even know uh, what to do for their own health um, because their their parents, their grandparents or whoever raised them um, gave them diabetes and get uh, fed a bunch of soda pop. So then you would agree that this them. doesn't, in your opinion, this ordinance doesn't go far enough. You would say probably that the parents themselves should be prohibited from ordering soda. Well, I mean, they're grown now. But the thing is that when they were children... <laughs> but don't you care were... about the parents? I mean, shouldn't the parents also be forced into this scheme, into the, these restrictions, where they also will have decisions made for them by uh, the city council? Well, the thing is, by, by the time, not really, but there's a lot of information out there that sort of pops back. But if you're a grown adult, 
then people kind of leave it up to them to make a decision. But children, they just do what's put before them, and that's what they're trying to protect. Hey, Sarah, and, you, uh, you know what's you know what else is bad is you know uh, driving buses, right? I mean, when you get on a bus, <laughs> you're not walking, and you know, exercise is good. It's true. I mean, would you be in favor of banning buses? No, but I have I have to walk. Quite but why a bit not? What well, would bus. inconvenience I mean, her? Why would you? Why would? Why is it okay? Uh, you know, to ban parents or, you know, from, from, from giving their kid, you know, I don't know, Coke or what is this? Pepsi or Coke or whatever, Whatever, um, pop. Okay. They call it pop. uh, I believe in that part of the country. Um, but it's not okay, you know, to get rid of the buses and make you walk. Sometimes people have to ride the bus for 10 miles, 15 miles, five miles. But wouldn't that just make you healthier? Great exercise. Yeah, I mean that just mm-hmm. makes that just make us all healthier. I mean, look how fat people are in the United States. There's so many fat people in the U.S. today compared to just you know 40 years ago or whatever. If people walked a little bit more often, it'd probably be good for them, wouldn't it, Sarah? Well, it's better to stop drinking all that soda pop they've been advertised to drink. You know, wouldn't yeah, it be know. better, Sarah, if we just adver- or if we just encouraged personal responsibility? Right, but people, the the soda pop. I would like to sue the soda pop companies for um, for exploiting people's ignoramus. I mean, the ignorance. Okay, the, when wait a minute. Not properly educated. Are you are you seriously like telling me that there's people out there who don't understand that you know junk food is bad for them? Well, you know, a lot of people use Tide and ammonia and Clorox, and that's very toxic. But just because it's put on the market, they go out and buy it just because it's legal. So the thing is that they advertise, over-advertise, and then they um, entice children with all of this pot that they have to have it with a meal, and it causes diabetes and obesity, and people have seen that. So there's ways that um, that we could curtail this. And Do you buy things you don't Sarah, like just it's... because they're legal? What? I mean, no. People that... Uh, well, they're being they're being sued because they know they have benzene, they have formaldehyde, all these things toxic, mm-hmm. and they put it on the shelf. They know it's toxic, and they and they and then they advertise on television commercial, and they're be, these companies are being sued right now. Sir, I wish that they would sue the soda pop companies for over advertising to people <laughs> all this junk. You do understand that like sugar is an essential part of like your diet. You need it to to, to survive. Um, the well, that's the difference between natural sugar found in honey and molasses. Uh, natural. She's sugar right about that. Hold on, hold on. Let's let's back up. Uh, that's what they're okay. So natural, let's. That's I'm not a big fan of the sugar. Food. Let's back up. It, it, it's calories, right? And calories you burn calories, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is it's the overindulgence that's the problem that leads to diabetes it's not the sugars okay it's not the junk food it's 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 having too much of it mm-hmm. and and the only way to well, solve well, that problem is personal responsibility to... teaching personal well, no, responsibility you just ban it and pass laws mm-hmm. and put people in prison cells well, then the that problem it, right? is if you make it so that every moron who's born survives and breeds then you're eventually your entire society will be uh, will be filled with people who are who aren't good for anything if they if they can't even make their own decisions. Look at it from a different yeah. uh, uh, scenario, a little bit different perspective, Sarah. Um, if you ban calories, we all die. Calories are generally bad, right? But 
they're not really. It's 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 having it's they're eating too many calories. Right? They're necessary. Yeah. Okay, here's. Are you a doctor? There's a difference between. Are you a doctor? Sugar, <laughs> this is like elemental sugar. Uh, stuff, Sarah. You don't need to be a doctor to understand this stuff. Sarah's not a doctor okay, either, well, for the record. Right. I, I mean, I don't have a healthy, but I've been reading a lot of research. If you eat an apple, if you eat a watermelon, if you eat a corn, you get the sugar, but it's natural sugar from the fruit and vegetables. That's true. That's absolutely that's true. Point. That's better. There's, there's no doubt. There's better sugars. There's better ways yeah. to get your sugars, and that's absolutely the truth. So the question is, Sarah, do you think people should be free to make choices for themselves? It sounded like you said yes when it came to adults, but you don't right. believe that's true of children. Why? Well, because if you have ignorant parents and they're making the decisions for you, you don't know anything. Maybe an adult, um, they the that's the unfair part of it. And and because you think that you the business owners, just to be, clarify, Sarah, you think these business owners should be threatened with potential jail time uh, for serving children the things that they ask for? Well, they don't know what to ask for. They just eat what they're... Right, but you think they should be going to jail? Do you think that the restaurateur, the person that owns the restaurant, should go to jail over this? Well, I think they'll be fine to change the behavior. What happens if you don't pay the fine? Feed all this garbage. But what happens if you you get a fine, Sarah, and you don't pay the fine, then what happens? Well, I I guess I don't know what the state of New Orleans does. What do you think they do? We don't go to jail. We got 5,000 people running around with women. I mean, they catch them and they release them. So they don't go to jail here. But Mm. maybe in New Orleans, they will put them in jail. Yeah, well, what's going to happen is they're going to be told that if they don't pay the fine, they will have their licenses suspended. And then if they continue to operate their business... Under a suspended license, men with guns will show up and they will take them and put them in handcuffs and take them to jail and charge them with something. There, there was a very public example of this happening during COVID. Multiple uh, examples. New Jersey with a guy in New Jersey who refused to pay the fine and f- close up his shop. And they eventually came and they threw him in a cage. They took, uh, you're talking about the gym owners? Yeah. Yeah. They, not only did they throw them in a cage, they actually uh, tapped their bank account and stole $160,000, if, uh, if I'm correct, wow. and destroyed their uh, their lives. They're now felons as a result of uh, this protest. And they uh, he just, I believe, got out of jail recently, if I recall correctly, because they, they arrested them more than once uh, in that situation. I could be wrong about when he got out of jail, but he was arrested on more than one occasion in that case. But that's the reality of it, Sarah. I mean, you can sit there and fantasize about how you want to control what children are going to eat and drink. But the reality is irresponsible parents are going to continue to be irresponsible, even though a restaurant says to them, according to PBS.org in a uh, report filed this month, the uh, restaurants in New Orleans... And again, this is just in the city of New Orleans at the moment. There are some other cities across the country that are doing something similar uh, but they must now offer an unflavored, unsweetened, or non-carbonated water, non-fat, or 1% milk. So whole milk's too too dangerous for these kids. Mm. Can't offer that to them. Or a 100% juice drink option if they offer any children's meals at the restaurant. So there's, no, there's nothing that's going to prohibit parents from stopping off at Walmart after they go to the restaurant. And grabbing a 24-pack of Mountain Dew or Coca-Cola or whatever, bringing it home and letting the kids go to town. Nothing at all.
Well, you know, a little bit incremental is better than nothing. A little bit of tyranny, a little bit of the the nanny state. Thank you for the call tonight, Sarah. I appreciate it. Yeah, I am glad she brought the issue up because it's a story I was not aware of. Uh, I know that these prohibitions continue to be, uh, you know, coming up in places like New York City and elsewhere. This is actually, uh, I think, one of the best stories Sarah's ever brought up uh, on the show. Best as in worst, but yes. Well, I mean, talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting, right? It's not like, I don't know, it's not like the buses or whatever she's always going on about right yeah it's really interesting um and it's it's also a very clear example of you know uh the nanny state Uh, i'm just looking to hear the story from pbs they say that louisiana louisiana has one of the highest rates of childhood obesity in the nation for kids between the ages of 10 and 17 ranking third in the nation at 22 percent according to a 2022 state of obesity report of course, the fact that kids are staying inside on electronic devices constantly, they're not going out and getting exercise the way they used to, uh, probably is playing a factor here. Nutrition. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I guess I was just going to say that, um, I mean, one, one of the things about uh, Louisiana and New Orleans, especially, is it's, it's, it, there's a lot of pov- poverty there. You did have a business there one time. So you've actually uh, yeah. got some experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, that poverty um, often is what leads to people eating less nutritious foods, right. and it's not in it's not so much an issue of you know oh you know necessarily that parents are like you know not you know directing their kids to healthier foods. It's they don't have the money for it. Well, I mean um, that that could be true, but it's certainly not true when it comes to drinking soda. I mean, obviously water's cheaper than soda, so sure. Like, d- there's really no excuse for going and buying 24 packs of soda when you could just not buy them, right? So there's an addiction problem that the parents have, and they are passing along the, to their children. The assumption here is that par- that parents are actually going out and buying, you know, 24 cans of soda in well, the first place. Well, they're probably not stealing them. Well, I wasn't <laughs> suggesting they'd be stealing them, but you can get fat from things that are not soda. Oh yeah, you can, mm. but I mean, soda definitely is a big factor. A, it definitely right? can contribute. And I'm not saying it's calories. not a big contributor. Yeah, but yeah. we're making some assumptions here. I've, but I've, you I've, also have to look at the uh, food pyramid that the mm. government pushed <laughs> on everybody, um, and and then n- turned upside down. I think. Uh, yeah. Well, they're now pushing. I I was just seeing um, online uh, some government propaganda that. Basically, and it was naming these things by brands. It was like, you know, Fruit Loops and mm-hmm. and uh, and all this garbage cereal with that's healthy for you, but steak and eggs that's bad for you. So these are not the people I want making my decisions. Yeah, for, for sure. Mm-hmm. If you want to comment, you can hear the number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. I worked in retail in the nineteen nineties. Uh, as one of my first jobs and you know I saw people coming through the the lines the people with the 24 packs the flats of uh, soda literally an entire cart loaded full of multiple packs of soda and these were not the wealthy looking types right these were some of the poorest of the yeah you know one thing I have to say is it doesn't it doesn't matter how wealthy you are you will definitely see people drinking a lot of soda just in general I think in the US Um, yeah yeah, you know actually the, the more disturbing things isn't honestly I think that a restaurant would serve a kid soda because I mean let's be honest it's a restaurant you know when you go out to eat often especially for families it's sort of a celebration so Letting the kid have some soda ain't 
necessarily like the worst thing. Um, the thing that's worse is really, I think, when parents are serving things like, oh, I don't know, soda to their kid in um, little uh, baby bottles. Is that a thing? That's a thing. Wow. And wow. I'm not sure how common it is, but <laughs> it's a thing. Oh, and um, I remember that from when I was, you know, I was a, a little kid myself. And um, yeah, and I heard like about this parent who would serve their, and, and this kid was heavy, um, mm-hmm. but it was, they were like, is this abuse? Like, I mean, because mm. every day the parent would give their kid, you know, their really young kid soda. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, parents are going to do things you disagree with. I mean, that's whether it's serving them food that uh, that you don't think is appropriate or uh, letting them walk to the bus stop alone. Like, some people get upset about the sort of free-range kids concept. So there's all kinds of disagreements about how uh, people should raise their kids. As far as I'm concerned, they're your kids. You decide. It's, yep. you know, it's up to you. And good your luck kids, with it. Your kids, your problem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yet there's still these these prohibitionists like Sarah. I mean, she's not the worst in that she is at least willing to say uh, adults shouldn't have this regulation uh, placed upon them. So, I mean, she we, we tried to see if she would go that way, and she didn't. But there are people like the person we started the show out with here tonight over at The Atlantic, Matthew Loftus, who believes that in the United States, we've rolled prohibition back too far. He says about that. He says, when arguments are made for loosening the government's restrictions on vice, usually proponents make their case with idealistic situations. Like, shouldn't responsible independent adults be able to make decisions for themselves about how they spend their money or use their body? This seems appealing. And there are certainly well-informed adults who gamble and use marijuana judiciously. But focusing on these ideal cases and basing our laws on them disregards millions of people who suffer because of their addictions, and it obscures the underhanded tactics of companies who make money off the misery of addicts. So we should go to the trouble and expense of throwing people in prison because otherwise people will suffer the natural consequences of their own decisions. That's basically the argument here, that somehow you're going to help these people by threatening them with a jail cell instead of the other normal natural consequence of running out of money, uh, mm-hmm. mortgaging your house, uh, getting in upside down over in your car or whatever, just to pay your gambling debts. God got it wrong when he designed the world, but luckily the government's <laughs> here to fix it. He says these debates expose a conflict over what we believe about virtue and vice. If we think that human beings, especially young people who are forming the habits that will last a lifetime, tend to make decisions based on what they have reason to be their best interests, then legalization makes sense. If life is a series of contracts we enter into freely, then there's no reason to keep potential harms off our smartphone or out of storefront dispensaries. However, This way of seeing the world overlooks the fact that our hearts and mind are shaped not only by reason, but also by our experiences, affections, and most important, our habits, which are just as often inexplicably self-destructive as they are reasonable. He says a rise in access to legal gambling will inevitably lead to a rise in gambling addicts. Natasha Dowschel's book, Addiction by Design, carefully documents how electronic slot machines are designed to get players addicted. One game designer says, quote, once you've hooked them, you want to keep pulling money out of them until you have it all. The barb is in and you're yanking the hook, unquote. 
Sports, uh, sports betting companies have enticed colleges and universities to allow them to promote their products on campus, then offered free bets to lure customers in. I mean, don't you think this has gone too far, guys? I mean, we're we're tempting the, the youngest among us to create gambling habits. Isn't that isn't that dangerous? Well, you learn to make good decisions by screwing up and saying, "Hey, I could have done better." Indeed, we're going to continue here. Uh, your thoughts are welcome. If you want to weigh in, we got time for you. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. More from the Prohibitionists on the way. It's Free Talk Live. are open here you can join us we're talking about the prohibitionist mindset the people that just can't allow other individuals to make decisions for themselves and they're terrified that somebody somewhere might be having a good time yeah indeed and uh and might make a decision that might be the wrong decision might be uh, but no, no we got to we've got to threaten them with prison in order to stop them from making an otherwise uh, a choice that could harm them in some way. But we'll we'll continue with that discussion here. Most of my money I spent on wine, women, and song. The rest I just wasted. We continue here, though, with Ken. He's on the line listening in Texarkana. Ken, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind tonight? How you doing, hey, sir? What's on your mind? Go ahead. Uh, I love what you guys do. Thanks. Um, the, the, the young lady uh, that called before about wanting to bring restrictions on on uh, soda uh, for children mm-hmm. and possibly uh, uh, elders um, and and the harm and the diabetes and all of, all of this and that whatever uh, the harm is not the sugar uh, the it's not real sugar in all the sodas. If you go to That's a, a soda fountain, uh, it's high fructose, high fructose corn, corn syrup. syrup. Yep. And 99% of uh, all corn produced in the United States is GMO. Hmm. And uh, there is, and, and, and they As are about 80% of the people post-vaccine. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so I'm on that boat too. And uh, uh, oh, you took the vaccine? No. Oh, good. No. Oh, good. I ivermectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine. Uh, and Doctor uh, Joel Wallach has okay. another remedy. Uh, all of them are natural. Uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine and and ivermectin has mm. an enzyme in it that dissolves the spike protein and gotcha. and it's 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 natural uh, uh it's easy to make there's no patent on it anymore mm-hmm. and why did our government shut that down from us uh They're trying to protect profits of Pfizer in this case yeah ten poor mm-hmm. and this quite Tim, possibly they I'm, want I'm a, a whole driver. bunch of us dead Ken, you're a driver man thank you for your service i appreciate it 
Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, you guys keep the country going. I mean, it's the professional drivers out there that uh, without you guys, you know, we would be stuck it's, in the mud. It's gotten so hard. It's gotten so hard. And and uh, when I shop, uh, I watch. I read labels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't buy high fructose corn syrup. I don't eat anything with high high fructose corn syrup. But when I'm on the road, gets harder. Uh, yeah. I drink lemonade, but uh, you you buy it at the soda fountain. Some of that crap is is uh, 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 got it in it. Yeah, it does. And and I I can't help it. Um, but if we watch that, you watch the diabetes go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and and for her to make those comments in her research and all that, do the research, do the real research. Uh, but I thank you guys for what you do, and in, in, uh, I am from New Hampshire. Oh, that's wonderful. Ori- originally. Yes, yes. I've trucked all over this country. I lived in New Hampshire. I used to truck from Maine to California uh, when I lived in New Hampshire, and, and uh, I just like the weather. I'm retired. and, and uh, Wait, so you're not own. driving anymore? I'm not going to say that. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to say that because you guys are in trouble. You can't do Bitcoin. Uh, I'm, I, I can't say that. Uh, I'm retired and I'm an entrepreneur. All right. I and, appreciate uh, it. Oh, I got you. Thank you, Ken. (laughs) Thank you for the kind words tonight. Appreciate hearing from you, and uh, feel free to call us back anytime you got some stories from the road you want to tell. Because I know if you're a driver, you've you've certainly got them. And thank you for the call, especially you know encountering the police and state cops and Uh. inspections and all that nonsense. You know, there's no group besides bikers. Maybe there's no more libertarian uh, leaning. I think group out there than than truck drivers. I mean, they get screwed hard by the government as often as uh, the government can get away with. It's terrible what they yeah. have to deal with. So, uh, well, the government's job is to provide service. The media's job is to provide lubrication. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about this uh, piece here at The Atlantic uh, by somebody who is arguing that the U.S. has gone too far in legalizing vice, and he is saying that we can't just let people make decisions for themselves. They might actually have to suffer mm-hmm. the consequences from them instead of the yeah. arbitrary ones that we want to impose upon them. See, he should be moving out to California where they make all their decisions for you. And I'm sure that they'd be able to uh, to give them a, a, uh, everything within the state, nothing outside the state, nothing against the state special. Uh, unfortunately, I tried to look up this guy, at least quickly. There was no bio on the story. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's already in California, uh, but it doesn't say where he's from in this case. But he points out that state laws tend to allow the gambling industry to regulate itself, which means that these companies are expected to identify and exclude their steadiest customers. This has been as unsuccessful as one might expect. As much as 50% of revenue comes from quote-unquote problem gamblers, while one study showed that in 1998 only 4% of gambling revenue from video lottery games came from so-called responsible gamers, just as tobacco companies would go out of business. If people used their products responsibly, gambling wouldn't be a multi-billion dollar industry if it weren't for addicts. Well, maybe when people have trouble with with paying their taxes, the government should stop taking their money because obviously they're a problem taxpayer. Hmm, that's a good point. And, mm. of course, the government, if it actually cared about people and their monetary situations, it certainly wouldn't tax the poor. No, no. 
but it actually taxes the poor disproportionately compared mm-hmm. to what it does to the rich and uh, the middle class. Yeah. Well, they kind of have to. I mean, they could steal every dime from every billionaire in America, and guess what? He would run the federal government for less than a year. Mm-hmm. And then they wouldn't have any businesses, so they wouldn't have any income. You wouldn't be able to go back and shear them again because you slaughtered them last year. Now, it's easy enough to pick on gambling addicts, right? I mean, that's 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 one that's going to tug at people's heartstrings. Um, some of us may have known people in our lives who have been addicted to gaming in some shape or form, mm-hmm. whether it be you know, actually going to a, a casino or doing an online uh, alternative. But this guy's actually going to go after marijuana legalization mm. in this article, which just seems, it seems so unassailable at this point. It's like, we're way beyond legalization. It was, what was it, 2012, I think, when Colorado and, uh, and Washington State put legalization into place and you know, proved basically in a year that the revenues to the state, which isn't the reason why you should legalize, but it is what they do, uh, the revenues from the state, I think within a year or two, exceeded the alcohol tax revenues. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, they proved that, you know, that, that people didn't go insane because they could use marijuana legally because the people fact went is, insane because they lived in California. Well, <laughs> well, California, of course, did medical first in 1996, but it took mm-hmm. them a little while to do the uh, the legalization. They weren't first to the game on uh, on recreational. But, uh, you know, the, they proved that people weren't going insane because the fact is people were already doing marijuana. People were all over the United States using illegal cannabis prior to it becoming illegal and so ultimately all they did was they allowed them to come out into uh, public to some extent. And most of them went to government schools anyway, so they were already crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, all I'm thinking is like, it's how do you have a war on marijuana or drugs unless there's drugs, people using drugs? Indeed. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> there were a lot of people using marijuana, right. which is why it was the bulk of the war on drugs. It's right. easy to catch. It's bulky. It's, it's It stinks. It's hard. It's and easy to find it. They had no impact. They had no uh, impact as far as reducing drug Absolutely use. Absolutely not. Well, yeah. that and if they were going to go after cocaine, they'd have to arrest all the politicians and the bankers. That's why yeah. powder cocaine was never a big deal. The crack, the crack was. Uh, he says marijuana has more complicated legacy, especially because it has real but rather modest benefits for medicinal use, which is insulting, by the way, for him to say they're modest. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've literally seen people who have crippling uh, physical and physiological issues that have uh, managed to dramatically reduce those issues mm-hmm. with one toke. Or one drop of, you know, a tincture or something under a tongue or Mm. one toke of some. We had a guy who was here in Keene a few years ago who had seizures. Uh, You know, that's a big problem, right? Like you having a seizure anytime is never never a good thing. And taking regular doses of a marijuana tincture completely ended seizures for this man. So to say Mm. that, and it wasn't to the point where he was getting high. It was just, you just had to take enough to where the seizures didn't happen. But to say that that would be modest in any way, shape, or form, that's a life-changing benefit. And that's just one person that I have known, and I've seen you know, plenty of footage online of other people who 
have had serious maladies solved by a simple toke of uh, of cannabis. Mm-hmm. Careful analysis shows, says this guy, that marijuana legalization has contributed to a rise in opioid-related deaths, especially when dispensaries can legally sell all sorts of cannabis products. How exactly would that be? Yeah, where are these deaths yeah, coming from? Yeah, that's I, kind of... I'm unfamiliar with a single Last I heard, opiate-related deaths dropped 25% in, in states that legalized weed. Yeah, and I know people personally who used cannabis to get off of opioid addictions yeah i've I, an old roommate of mine down in florida 20 years ago uh was able to beat uh you know he had a pill, a pill problem he was popping hydrocodones he was shooting them up Ooh. Oh, and he was able to get off of that by using uh, what he what he described as the marijuana maintenance program and this was long before you know any yeah. kind of medicinal marijuana was available uh permitting dispensaries he claims also increases referrals for addiction treatment which is unsurprising considering that higher potency products are more dangerous. Well, isn't that what you would want? If you have dispensaries that are allowed, if that's increasing referrals for addiction treatment, doesn't that suggest that people are feeling more comfortable getting treatment for the things that are wrong with them? I don't know. Obviously, I don't necessarily believe what this guy's touting as far as his uh, his claims and his statistics and studies, but I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say that people going for addiction treatment is an indicator of something wrong. Like, that's an indicator that people are feeling more comfortable getting treatment. That's a good thing. I mean, I went to AA and NA for 22 years, and I can count on the fingers of one hand the number of people who came in just because they smoked weed. You know, that's not what you're going to addiction Mm -mm. treatment for. You're going to addiction treatment because you've got a problem with cocaine, with oxycodone, with, you know, real drugs, (laughs) meth. Yeah, I mean, what this guy is citing here, as you pointed out, nobody, are claims that are just completely the opposite of studies that we've seen uh, previously. And he makes another one here. He claims that the higher potency products are more dangerous what is that even supposed to mean dangerous how marijuana doesn't yeah. actually harm you in any kind of deadly fashion no one dies from use yeah. of cannabis ever you can't overdose from if it. if if you Correct. overdose on weed go to sleep you, go you to feel sleep. better when you wake up that's it uh, and, and he does. And you're going to go to sleep anyway, because what else can you do? <laughs> yeah, he, he does link to something here uh, when he says, quote unquote, more dangerous. He links to a study at the National Library of Medicine entitled The Problem with the Current High Potency THC Marijuana from the Perspective of an Addiction Psychiatrist. And then there, it goes on and on. Yeah. So those people are liars and they can't be trusted. <laughs> Psychiatrists? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the whole, uh, I'm trying to think what it's called. Um, but there's, there's a book mm. that, that is the basis of, of it. And it's, it's basically the way the DSM. Yeah. The DSM, that's what it is. Um, it, it's basically the way things get in there is basically people vote on mm. like new disease. Like they basically mm-hmm. make up new diseases and they vote yeah. that it's, a we need disease. more things to treat so we yeah. can make more money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Homosexuality was listed in the DSM-3 as a mental disorder. And then wow. it was removed. I Whoa, wonder why. I mean, how and, does a disease just magically appear and then disappear? It's political. My what problem it is. with it is that, you know, addiction 
is a spiritual malady, mm-hmm. and a psychiatrist is not going to going going to cure that. No, they're going to get you hooked on AA some pills. Will cure that? Mm-hmm. No. It, well, it won't cure it, that. It will give you a way to maintain. Uh, both abstinence and a high-quality life mm-hmm. it's a by doing things like surrounding you with relentlessly positive people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You it, know, there's you know here's the th- here's the interesting thing. There's definitely people out there with mental disorders. No, no doubt about it. Oh yeah. The question Sometimes is, they call this show. It, it, yeah. The question <laughs> is whether or not psychiatry is basically a fraud, and I would argue that it's basically a fraud. Um, basically, they're just drug dealers. It, yeah. Um, they're they've they haven't always been that way. Uh, they they basically provided their services uh, under false pretenses. If you look back at history, and every time they got called out for it, they basically the industry just said, "Oh, well, we, we reformed, and now we're going to mm. use drugs, or we're going to use you know we're going to we're going to use lobotomies, or we're, and, and somehow that's supposed to be." I'd rather have be... a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. <laughs> well, right, and it's just they keep they just keep jumping around as to you know uh, being you know more. Um, you know, you know, they're not torturing people. Basically, right? Mm-hmm. Every time they get called out for torturing As people, much. they just switch what they're doing, mm. and it's like you know, they you're not making things better. Shock? Did they really? Yeah. yeah and under what me. form? What are they calling it now? Um, they're they're just calling it electroshock. Oh, the kinder, gentler uh, version of it. What not according you? to the to the <laughs> woman I knew who had it. Wow. Yeah. What no, was it being used for? Ostensibly. Um, major depression, mm-hmm. um, she had borderline personality disorder, mm. but she also had major depression. She had a lot of things going on. Did the shocking shock it all out of her? Um, no. No, I wouldn't think it would. No. Yeah, they, they exploited people back in the day. You know, mm-hmm. this was the whole cold bath baths thing. That was all like psych, psych, psychiatrist stuff. And then they jumped into, uh, uh, the lobotomies and then they did drugs, uh, you know, when, when they got called out for that. And it, and it's like if you put somebody on drugs and they don't have they're not expressing the symptoms, that doesn't mean that they're not they're not feeling the symptoms. Right. And that's sort of part of the problem. It's mm-hmm. like just because they don't express those symptoms anymore doesn't mean they're not hurting. You may, you may actually be causing more harm in the process. Um, and that's that's kind of one of the one of the problems with psychiatry. Yeah, I feel that that's true with when it comes, especially to all these people that are on the antidepressants. Yeah, and, it's not it's not that you know it's not that some drugs aren't potentially beneficial. It's it's that the it's it's about it's about the money for a particular industry. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, so. I mean that's what the that's and, what pharmaceuticals are all about right? and it depends it is tricyclic uh, antidepressants for example fatal overdose yeah mm. very I mean, common it, you can commit suicide with the pills the doctor gave you for depression yeah. isn't that special or shoot up a school and then commit suicide in some people's cases yeah yeah it's not it's not so much that you know drugs bad it's just the the way it's it's often it's often the those behind this sort of stuff that is the problem. Well, you know? but also in some cases drugs bad. I mean the the they fact is a lot of these but they can also be good. pills they can, they can but a lot of them don't even pass uh, the sniff test as far as they aren't more effective than a placebo. Right, right. right. And, and this is this is again this is sort of the you know people exploiting you know other human beings. Mm-hmm. And the regulations mm-hmm. didn't stop it from happening. No. <laughs> Of course, then again, given that everybody has their own individual body chemistry, I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna pay some uh, some uh, play some devil's advocate and say there's definitely a uh, there are cases 
where beneficial drugs will not will not uh, will not outperform the placebo because they make half of the people who take them better and the other half mm. worse. So if you give them only to the half that gets better, then you're ahead of the game. Um, but the fact is, the placebo makes people better too. Well, it, it can, <laughs> in a lot definitely. of cases. Yeah. Uh, there's a really interesting book out there called "You Are the Placebo," written by Doctor Joe Dispenza, where he spends chapter after chapter just going into so many examples of the placebo effect and how really powerful. Uh, mm-hmm. That the human mind is over the the condition of the body. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, the the mind and the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's uh, real. I miss going going to AA, and you know, if if I if I could go on a damn bender like I used to, I'd go back. But <laughs> I don't think that's I, required to just, go back to AA. Well, it's not it's not required. I just wouldn't feel like I, I belonged. You know. <laughs> How much were you drinking? Well, you know, I'd every couple of weeks I'd get a bottle of wine. Wouldn't you be able to go in as like a sponsor or something? You wouldn't you be like that level? You could just be somebody that they uh, they they partner up with. Not not really because um, having never been. The I thing don't know is, how that works. the reason people sponsor uh, people is is to help themselves mm. uh, oh, more okay. even than than to help the person that they're helping so my idea and the thing that i that i still hope uh, i'll get off the ground is a lot of my church was based on the spirituality um of aa which was you know easy does it live and let live you know surround yourself with positive people if you can find them Mm -hmm. um good advice you know have some faith Prayer actually helps, and it doesn't necessarily require a God for it to help, because uh, praying can be what Freud would call giving yourself permission to change. Mm, that's a great point. Um, you know, so... Well, especially uh, if you believe that we're all little pieces of God as well. Let's go to the phones indeed. here. Uh, caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What is your name? Randy. Randy, where are you calling from? Uh, Southwest Arkansas. Welcome, sir. What's on your you mind? You sound like it, sir. Yeah. What's on your well, mind tonight? I want to tell you about. I'm mentally ill. I'm labeled. Who isn't these days? And I also, I think I'm a little bipolar too. Okay. But I take a medicine called Melaril, and I'm perfectly medicated. Three sixty-five. Medicine changes in equinoxes and solstices. And as the equinoxes and solstices uh, come forward, about a month before, month or so before an equinox or solstice, I test my blood pressure. And when my blood pressure goes up in the equinox a little bit, I increase my medicine half a pill at a time until the equinox comes, and then I'm perfectly medicated. In a solstice, blood pressure goes down, and you need less medicine. I take a pill and a half and a soltus and three pills and an equinox, and I adjust it half a pill at a time by my blood pressure. And what is this? Uh, and you feel like this benefits you? How does this? How does this help you? It makes me level-headed. I have the same personality year-round. Mm-hmm. I've got a good sense of reason. I studied reason, philosophy, astrology, and my medicine. And uh, 
one of these things is not like I'm, the others. I'm perfectly medicated, 365. All right, well, hey, if it's working for you, I'm not going to take it away from you. Yeah. you know? yeah, I appreciate it. All right, brother. Anything else different you want to share? Different strokes for different folks. Uh, no, I feel sorry for mentally ill people. It's a terrible life. Yeah. Yeah, my, my concern is, honestly, it's it's just that they often create more problems, psychiatrists, and they, mm-hmm. they you know, the, you know or they worsen, they cause problems to worsen rather than actually help people get better. Yeah, it, well, Melorail, all it is is central nervous system pressure, lowers your, or raises you. It's not like a lot of those medicines. Very good, sir. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate your uh, personal experience. It's like, yeah, everybody's different. Everybody's got a unique uh, structure inside them. And, uh, you know, if pills are working for you and you feel like it's a benefit, then God has blessed you. I, uh, I wish you the best. Personally, it's, it doesn't feel right for me. You know, I don't want to be on those things for the rest yeah, of my it, life. It, it, sometimes it's good to be a little bit skeptical of people telling you, you know, uh, you know how to how to solve your problems. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, you the best person to solve your problems is you. It's It's not always somebody else. Indeed. Uh, what I'll do is I'll put this story up on our social media. There's a little more from the prohibitionist guy. If you want to see the rest of what he has to say, I'll drop it up on social.freetalklive.com. You'll find it at the at FTL account. So if you're not following that account, you should follow that. And we'll give our uh, show prep and stuff like that to you there. And in the meantime, between now and tomorrow night, don't forget you can join Chris tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern on his show, Freedom Decrypted at freedomdecrypted.com. And check out nobody at getsell411.com. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today.